Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. Once again to the show, that is right, the Suns Hooked on Wrestling. I'm Robert Nichols, delighted to be back uh, in your ears one more time, along with my very good friend, my colleague, Showbiz Paul Benson. How you doing, Paul? I'm very well, thanks, Rob. Hello, everybody. Good to be back. Um, not quite as action-packed a week this week, eh? Uh, you could say that. Yeah, I think we had some... We could have done about eight hours of the podcast last week, and we managed to condense it into about two and a half. This week, thank goodness we've got a good guest. Um, coming up very soon, we've got uh, the wonderful Gail Kim is on the, on the podcast with us this week, and um, uh, I'm so delighted that she agreed to come on. I've got a little bit of a history, Paul, don't know if you know this, um, but I did Gail's um, first interview when she left WWE, her first interview when she went back to TNA. And we've interviewed at other points in between, but now mm. uh, in the in the week of her official retirement, her last match was on Sunday. We're recording this uh, on Thursday night, um, and uh, so it's, it's it's kind of cool for me anyway to have uh, spoken to her to uh, various different uh, important points of her career. But listen, I I can remember seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, a long time. The first time she was even in WWE, you know, people would say to me, "Who's the most underrated?" wrestler around and I would almost always say Gail Kim um, I would say Gail Kim and Bobby Roode they were the two people <laughs> um, for, for whatever company they were in and you, you've known me a long time now and you can remember when we were first going to those TNA shows when they were over here in the UK and I was a big Bobby Roode guy wasn't I I was yes, always you were. what a fan I was of him and I was always Bobby Roode, Gail Kim you know, were the two people I wanted people to talk about more because um, I just thought they were so good and listen I think over the piece people have cottoned on not just because of me but because of their uh, their fine abilities and uh, Gail has had a magnificent career and she finished it uh, here in the UK uh, with Southside Wrestling on Sunday it was her choice to, to finish up in the UK and during the interview uh, we have a chat about that about um, what she's up to now and all that kind of thing I try to keep it not just the standard um you know, what are you going to do now? What's the best match of your career? Sort of interview. But I, every now and again, I lapsed into cliche. But uh, wow. for the most part, I think it's an interesting chat. And uh, um, Paul will know this because Paul has worked with Gail. Paul did a, uh, an India trip for TNA with Kurt Angle and Gail Kim. Uh, and Paul will know from meeting various other wrestlers over the piece from his time working for RDA Television when they were selling TNA rights and from myself when I was with The Sun the first time around. Um, what's cool is you get to not only meet wrestlers, you know, because you admire what they do and you, you you like them as as talent, but you actually get to meet real people. And when those real people turn out to be dead cool, then I think it's a uh, it's a bonus, isn't it? And you can, if you're listening to this and you're suggesting that we're being, you know, soppy marks or whatever, then you can think that all you like. But I know that every now and again you meet someone and you go, bloody hell, they're a nice person, and so if it means you stay in contact with them as I have done with Gail for 
for various years. I'm for no means saying I'm you know her best friend, but I've stayed in contact with her. And a couple of weeks ago, I said, "You fancy coming on the podcast after your last match?" And she said yes. So it was it's nice to be able to do that, and I enjoyed talking to her. Um, have you got some? You must have some fond memories of people that you've got to... Without telling the Ric Flair story again. <laughs> again? Actually, no, actually, to be fair, we've got a different audience now. We, uh, oh, let's save now got... that. Let's save okay. Ric Flair one. This is not about Ric Flair. If you're desperate to hear Paul's Ric Flair story, go right back to the very <laughs> origins of this podcast and listen to probably week one or two, where we all, basically all we did was for the first two or three weeks was tell Ric Flair stories. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but genuinely, though, Paul, we, we, you do get some cool moments getting to know nice people and after a while you forget that they're sort of big star wrestlers they're just you know so and so that's a nice fellow or nice woman yeah absolutely and Gail's as good an example as that as any like I I used to get really starstruck when I first started with TNA I remember my very first day working for that agency the very first thing I had to do was go to the uh, TNA show in Essex where was it Um, Brentwood Brentwood and I'm there chatting to these TV suits who later became my clients and who stood next to me over my left shoulder but my, my absolute hero at that point, Kurt Angle. Um, <laughs> someone who not, not six years earlier I'd dressed up as on Halloween. Um, uh-huh. And I'm stood there absolutely melting at this point because I had not experienced meeting all these guys before. And I was like... I'm really needing to talk to this guy in a suit, but all I really want to do is turn around and say hello to Kurt Angle. And it probably became very obvious quite quickly. So I was massively starstruck. And then after that, I remember wandering around in the backstage, um, watching watching the guys, watching the monitor, which was surreal. You know, stood there watching AJ Styles and Samoa Joe watch other people's matches and bonkers, absolutely bonkers. But yeah, to the, the point is, by the time I got to meet Gail, I wasn't particularly asked about that sort of thing anymore. But and she was just a really nice person. It was just like hanging around with a colleague, really. And I remember on the last night, our hosts um, wanted to take us out for some food. And these were not the higher ups that we'd been hobnobbing with, like, you know, the TV channel net uh, presence and stuff. These were the guys who were on our level who, or should I say my level, who were, you know, um, marketing executives and, um, and people like that. And they really wanted to take us out because we got on very well. So we ended up going to this street food cafe in a place in India called Look Now which is a big city but not somewhere I'd ever heard of and I'd really tried to avoid eating anything outside of hotels all week because you know because of the famous deli belly you know what you know what I mean um but we we were kind of pushed into a corner and me Gail and Kurt Angle got invited and we all said yes out of politeness Kurt managed to make his excuses because Kurt is Kurt and he can say and do what he wants <laughs> frankly but me and Gail went with it because we really liked the guys that we were there with and the food was incredible but we both knew we were looking literally looking at each other go over the table going we're gonna pay for this we are gonna feel this and lo and behold um on the flight home the deli belly struck <laughs> but she was just so cool like it was it was just like you know chatting to chatting to a mate really and you can't say that about most people in the industry so i've got very fond memories of gail and i was pretty gutted that we didn't get to speak actually i was hoping i'd be able to join you on the interview no, we can blame. Um, there's every now and again we will mention um, products on this podcast um, in, in our unsubtle way of saying send us some free stuff. Sometimes we are so unsubtle that we actually say send us some free stuff. Um, sometimes we will mention companies for the opposite reason, and for which case, do you want to mention um, East Coast Railway or whichever well, company have let you down today? Well, I tell you what, there was a myriad of train companies that let me down today, but that doesn't compare to my journey on Tuesday, where my whole trains train literally set on fire. <coughs> <coughs> 
No, that's that's true. Excuse my <laughs> See, even even the uh, the fumes of that train have got to me, and I'm coughing. But I couldn't believe it. Every now and again, do, do you sometimes get, a, especially if it's quite early in the morning? Because what was it about ten o'clock or something? I mean, that's not mega early, but I'm still a bit bleary-eyed by ten o'clock. Um, but every now and again, you get a message from someone, and you go, "Yeah, hang on, what?" So I just, I, my colleagues at work went, "What's up?" And I went. My mate's just texted me and said his train's on fire. <laughs> and I, said, I think I did some sort of lame joke about about a football chant, but it was like because I was obviously really concerned for you. <laughs> but I thought if he's tweet if he's texting me pictures of a train on fire, he's probably not in immediate danger. So, so I think it's probably okay for me to uh, just to mess around with it or whatever. But, it's um, insane. It was insane. So I went to the buffet car for a cup of tea and a bacon sandwich, and I came back through the next carriage and it was full of smoke. But in a typical British fashion, I thought, "What well, would be right. Be all right. <laughs> no, no, nobody's really panicking, even though the smell of diesel fumes was in the air and the carriage was literally filling up with smoke. I went and sat back down and chewed into my bacon sandwich. But then the smoke became rather thicker and rather more noticeable and started spewing past the windows um, in a really significant fashion. So the train came to an emergency stop. Um, and it turns out it was a fuel leak in one of the engines that was actually, yeah, set fire to the engine, um, which is quite terrifying momentarily, actually, because we were between, we were on the East Coast Main Line, between two live rails with trains flying past at whatever speed they do, 80, 90, 100 miles an hour. And I sat there thinking, if this fire catches hole really quickly, we're all screwed. Because it's not like you can just jump out onto a live rail, aren't they all electrified anyway? And if if the electric current misses you, then you're liable to get hit by the 1215 from Peterborough. Um, so it was a bit of a scary moment, but luckily it went away quite quickly and I just ended up being massively inconvenienced. Um, so yeah, Hull Trains, god damn you. Like, you are not getting our Company of the Week award this week. We are shaming you. So just everybody at home, just remember this. It's time, once again, for everybody to slag off whole trains. That's a... There we go. I promise, I promise you that was an ad lib and not a torturous setup for that one rubbish joke. If you would like to send them a tweet, it's at whole underscore trains and just ask them why they tried to burn Paul Benson alive. Oh, no, no. Should we just send them messages as if they're the godfather and the whole train? <laughs> Let's just, everybody at home, just tweet. Was it whole underscore trains? That's the one. And just, just tweet them and say things like, will you roll a fatty for this pimp daddy? and just just tweet them oh that would be glorious if you do do that and then don't mention us but do that and then like um, screenshot the tweet and then send it to Hooked on Wrestling and we'll give you a prize or something because that would be absolutely brilliant so whole trains whole underscore trains uh, you're free to um, you're free to give them whatever grief you want to do under uh, under our auspices so, so, but don't don't tag us but then send us the screenshot that would be absolutely brilliant I'll be go. doing that later on there we go that's my entertainment for the rest of the evening <laughs> now <laughs> we so, get course... to see how popular we are Rob if, yeah, they don't, if they don't get any responses we're going to feel quite inadequate no, no 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 no. that's not true if we if nobody does it it's not that no one listens it's that all of our listeners are extremely uh, law abiding uh, non-rebellious nice people who cheer for Roman Reigns and cheer for John Cena and boo all the heels. That's what they. Yeah, that will be. If you don't like Roman Reigns, text all trains. Clap, clap. If you don't like Roman Reigns, text all trains. Clap, clap. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, I'd have carried that on if I had any confidence in my ad lib rhyming ability, but unfortunately, that's even worse than my singing. 
Or indeed your singing voice, because I noticed <laughs> you, you, you did that in a sort of Rex Harrison spoken way. And uh, <laughs> Rex Harrison. Who the hell am I? That's the first time anyone's ever mentioned Rex Harrison on a wrestling podcast. Who's people going, who's Rex Harrison? Is he, is he in NXT? Is he an up-and-coming NXT? No, he, he, he played... <laughs> He played Henry Higgins in My Fair Lady. There's my contemporary reference for you. Right. Anyway, moving on. Um, we were talking. We were talking about nice wrestlers. I think a little while ago, as opposed to uh, uh, 1960s film musicals. Um, but um, yeah, it is. I will say, it's been one of the cooler aspects of the uh, the work that I've got to do in wrestling over the piece. Is that there's very very few wrestlers I've been disappointed with. And do you know what? One, and I'm not going to say who it was. But one who I had named for years as being, well, I met so-and-so and he was a bit miserable and I didn't like him, I have subsequently met, spent a long time in their company and found them to be a cracking bloke. So whether or not I caught them on a bad day or whether or not over the seven or eight years in between you know, they've matured, well, I don't know, but I guess it's taught you to not judge people on one go. Was it Hacks or Jim Duggan? It wasn't Hacks or Jim Duggan, who I've, ah. met, one, who I've met once a couple of weeks ago. And he was absolutely fantastic, as you heard on this here podcast. Oh! But what we will say, quite right. Um, but what we will say, that's not Hull. Paul didn't shout Hull there again, <laughs> by the way. Where are you going, Hacksaw? Hull! And I'll get there eventually via seven other trains. Um, but um, what we've done so far is we've had two guests on the podcast uh, before now, and they have been Jim Duggan and Jim Ross. And we did suggest that what we might try and do is keep all of our guests as Jims. Um, throughout history, couldn't do that, but we've got a Kim instead. So yeah. we've we've kept it to Ims at the very least. So uh, we're now branching out. We were going to just do Jims, now we're just going to do Ims. So any suggestions of any Ims that you want us to do <laughs> in the future, then uh, do send it on. And that's not the kind of Ims that uh, the Reverend Devon used to sing at all. Well, that opens up to Tims as well, doesn't it? Then gone then. Well, I can't think of any. No, you can't think of any. Well done. Tim Horner. Opened, oh, opened it. Who? Tim Horner. I don't know who that is. Who's that? He's a wrestler. For who? I don't know. Heard of him. Oh, he's he's old school. In fact, I think he's okay. probably. I think he actually got in some sort of some legal deal. Anyway, we'll leave it there. Yeah, we'll leave it there. I th- Tim Tim White. I thought. Tim White. Yes. Tim White. Tim White looks too. Uh, Timothy Thatcher. But, um, I like but, it. I like uh, it. Th- th- this is just us naming Tims. <laughs> this is not not a very interesting section of the podcast. <laughs> so I tell you what we'll do. I tell you what we'll do is we will throw to someone far more interesting. Uh, which is not me, uh, but it is Gail Kim, who I did an intro interview with a little bit earlier on. So uh, have a listen. It's around about uh, an hour or so uh, of me chatting with Gail about her retirement, about her uh, career going forward, and, and lots of other things. So it's um, it's a fascinating chat with someone that I've got a lot of time for. Um, after that, me and Paul will be back. We're going to have a little chat about the Women's Royal Rumble. Um, You'll note that during the interview that uh, me and Gail do touch on it, so there's a little bit of chat in there, but me and Paul didn't talk about the Women's Royal Rumble last week, so we will do that, uh, the other side of Gail Kim, and we'll also tell you some more of our plans for WrestleMania. It's all coming up on the other side of Gail Kim. So joining me, I'm delighted to say, on the other end of the line, all the way across the pond, is Gail Kim. Gail, how are you doing? Good. How are you? It's been a while. It has several years, in fact. But it's a uh, great to speak to you yeah. again. Um, yeah. And in fact, if to to let everyone uh, listening know, there's been a bit of a a bit of a history. I think I was the first person that spoke to you after you left WWE. The first person that spoke to you when you got back to, with TNA again. And uh, 
we speak in interesting <laughs> circumstances because it's you know it's, what it's on. probably because you're a good man <laughs> you know just, so I'm just, obviously there's a reason <laughs> i'm just putting myself over right at the top of the podcast that's all. <laughs> uh, but no it's we're speaking on thursday and it's uh so basically four days since uh, since your last match how do you feel yeah oh i feel well physically i'm just starting to i have a little bit of a limp still um i literally couldn't walk after that match um so i mean it was great i couldn't have asked for anything i mean the guys ben and harry and sarah uh, just that family of Southside. honestly they were just so thoughtful and they couldn't have made my retirement like my very last match um mean more I, i it was literally like i've I had a couple of people who were really good to me actually um, offer me to, you know, they really wanted me to wrestle like after this. And I, and I told them, I said, honestly, guys, I'm retired. And everyone always says, well, wrestlers don't really retire. And I said, I kind of do want to retire though. And even though everyone thinks I've had a million retirements, but I've always said I wanted to retire in the UK, which was non-television. And then of course I was going to have to retire on television with the impact. Um, But uh, I, it truly was more than anything I expected, and I didn't think I was going to even be that emotional, to be honest, because I kind of felt like I had already accepted how it all ended, and you know, and that was it. So, I guess having low, low not low expectations, but maybe no expectations, and just being happy to be there and saying goodbye to the UK fans is just like everything on top of that was just, just spectacular and I couldn't have asked for anything more honestly I don't even know how to express it in words because I was that happy <laughs> so, so was it a set of circumstances came together and you thought that's the right thing for me or was there a specific goal that you wanted to finish over here because I mean that'd be a, a big boon to your UK no. fans knowing that you wanted to finish here right. well basically what had happened was um you know, when I started thinking about retirement, uh, so for example, you know, a lot of people don't know how this came to be. They probably just thought, oh, I decided one day. And it literally, from the time that kind of started talking about it with close friends, uh, specifically Christy Hemi, you know, because she was part of the girls' uh, creative team at that time. Mm-hmm. And that's how far back it went, uh, where she was telling me at one point, because she knew how bad my body was hurting as a friend and someone who roomed with me all the time and uh, knew me inside and out. And she said, you know, if you want to retire soon, uh, we have to start planning it. And at that time, I was kind of almost like, I'm not ready yet. You know, in my mind, I knew I wasn't ready yet. So mm-hmm. I was kind of just waiting, waiting. And I knew it was close, but I didn't want to do it just then. And then finally, I decided probably after the first time that she brought it up, it could have been close to a year after she brought it up, actually. Oh, really? and I, yeah, it took a long time. You know, for that's a big commitment to make, you know, for you to say out loud. And so I said, okay, you know what? My body's falling apart. I have to do this. And so I had the first talk with whoever was in office at the time. And literally from that time, it had changed so many times. Like, I think my first talk was with Big, uh, John Gaburik, right? Mm -hmm. So he was in charge. And then I went to Billy Corgan. And then I went to Jeff Jarrett. I mean, literally, I had my retirement talk at least minimum three times, you know, (laughs) if not more. So, um, yeah, it was a process. 
And so my back then, so when I first started, we were doing the UK tours there all the time, right? So every year. And so that was my ultimate dream because the fans were always outstanding. You know, they never get to see us except for, you know, maybe once a year if or on independent shows that we would book ourselves on, you know, but not as a team as Impact. Sure. Um, so I just always knew the UK fans just held a special place in my heart from the very beginning. And so I thought, okay, that's where I want to retire. And then we stopped doing the tours. So, you know, that kind of would play a factor into where I retired and how I retired and everything like that. But I always said to myself, I, I have to have one more last show in the UK. And because I had such a great experience with Southside the first time I worked with them, I said, they asked me and I said, absolutely, I would love to do it for you guys. And um, they really just went over and beyond, you know, for me. That's really nice. That's a good indication, isn't it, of, um, of companies that when they look after a talent and do the right thing by them, then you want to work for them again, don't you? And you want to have nice yeah. moments from them. So often that there'll be a, bring you in, do the booking, here's your money, thanks very much. But yeah, if they look yeah. after you, then you get so much more out of the talent, I think. Yeah, and you know, and I've always been a big believer in that. And I always try to tell promoters when I work with them or book or people who book events, I always try, try to stress to them, listen, all of us wrestlers talk to each other. <laughs> so do, do good business. And you know, word of mouth, it's going to travel fast and you'll have people you'll get to book people and people might you know uh, I'm not saying they should give a deal but maybe if they had a great experience with you the first time they might give you a deal for the second third fourth time you know you just never know sure. if you're just a great person to work for for me that's always made a difference in my career and I felt like you'd be good to them and they're good back to you and it's all good from there you know it's just it's just sad sometimes when you have to come across people who are shady or yeah. don't do business uh, professionally and it's a rare thing now so I appreciate it when it comes along. Well it's a, it's a good thing for, um, uh, it's a good underlying note for, for Southside and of course there's a, a lot of great you know, promotions going on over here in the UK it's nice to hear of a, yet, yet another one doing some good things. Um, going back to your uh, uh, your first thought when you were you were thinking about retiring, you talked about um, yeah. your body struggling. But I think to the um, to the average viewer, um, it certainly looks as if um, you're still in fantastic shape. You can still go in the <laughs> ring. So was was that still part of the part of the th the thought process? Was you know I want to retire while I can still do this to a really great level, and people aren't going ah, but she's good, but she's not as good as she used to be. Right, and you know, I've always expressed this in interviews over and over and over again, that I said the day that I want to retire is the day that I know that I'm slowing down, um, and maybe it's not apparent to the fans, because there was maybe a year before I retired, uh, I knew my body was breaking down, and I, I could feel it in the ring, but nobody else, you know, I would ask my close friends or people I respected, and who would be straight shooters, like, oh, did you see, was I slow in the ring, or did I look like, you know, just rusty or mm -hmm. something like that, and, they, and they'd always tell me no, but I felt it, and so that was a huge thing for me, and so I said, if I can't give 110%, I just, I do not want my, you know, the fans to remember me anyway, but what I want them to remember me as, and so that was one of the decision makers you know for me is how I felt so I think people that have got um uh, have got that sort of attitude 
you know, if you care about the craft that you do, you're a bit of a perfectionist, and you're probably going to notice way more than anyone else because you're always striving for the for the very best, I guess. And that's really been a, yes. a hallmark of your career. There's been no, I've, I've never, I've never thought of you as a, as a coaster. I'll just go out there and I'll do it. I think every match oh, has no. seemed to count to you. Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I, I've always had this. I don't know what it is. This. I felt like I always, till the very end, had to prove something and I don't know why you know at some point you feel like okay you got the the stamp of approval maybe a couple times and you should be good but I always just felt like I always had to do better and I had to top the last time and you know the expectations I always felt like I had to reach these expectations and yes I was a perfectionist and um and that's not always a good thing but I'm still glad I have that in me because uh, that's what always drove me to try to have the best match and it drove me nuts if I didn't right? <laughs> um, so yeah I, I, I never want anyone to ever think of me as a coaster by any means no I really don't think they do and, it, and it's a trait I mean I'm going to name some names here and there's something very obvious in common but I think of people like Bret Hart and Chris Jericho and Edge and yourself yeah. and various others maybe it's a bit of a Canadian thing I don't know but there's a real, maybe it there's is a, there's a real there's a real if you really look deep down into it I'm not saying it'll be everybody I'm not painting everyone with one brush yeah. but it does feel yeah. like I, I guess maybe it's to work to get not to get out of Canada per se but to to work in the whole of North America maybe you have to work that little bit harder and it just gives you that little bit extra drive I don't know yeah, maybe. Um, you know, we have a lot as Canadians who are coming up, and I mean, I'm coming up. I'm retired now, but uh, <laughs> you know, you you're always you know who your the footsteps that you gotta follow, right? Um, so for me, the wrestling school that I went to was Trish, Edge, Christian. You know, it, those are just three. And right then, when I entered the business, those were the top people and you have a lot to live up to and for me it was more about being a woman to be honest I felt like and not only just a woman I felt like being a minority woman as well um it was kind of different mm -hmm. you know I just always felt like I'm not going to be maybe what their ideal ideal top girl is because at that time when I entered the business that was a blonde blue-eyed or whatever it is hot body <laughs> model looking girl you know and that wasn't me and so I always just wanted to be the wrestler so at that time I, this is what I tell a lot of girls who come up in the business right now because women's wrestling is so strong you know there's a couple of girls that I've come across who are solid wrestlers and but I don't see a character and I always tell them so what's your character because I don't I don't see it and mm -hmm. I need to see that and they'll say well I'm, I'm a wrestler and I said that I totally get it because that's what I was I mean I just always wanted to be the best wrestler so I understand I said but back when I was there um, after a while there was no women's wrestling so I had something to fight for sure. so that's what made that's what made me different at that time I said but right now all the women I mean a lot of women are talented and all of them want to be wrestlers now you have to have more you have to have a character you have to bring something different to the table you know because there's a lot of skilled girls out there there certainly are and it, there certainly has been a, a bit of a sort of a sea change over the last couple of years certainly as far as what people can see they'll look at WWE and their so-called branded yeah. women's revolution or evolution whatever they're calling it this week but I, you know right. I, f I feel that 
you know, while, while they're making great strides at the moment and that's the, the one that people see, I think it's fair yeah. to say that there was, you know, this was going on a lot long, you know, a lot longer ago in Impact Wrestling TNA, call it what you will, because you know there was certainly an era if you go back a few years where, as you say, WWE was not paying a great deal of attention to its women in terms of serious action, but TNA certainly yeah. was, and I think that's probably a reason why you gravitated back in the first place, was it? Yeah, you know what? It was more about um, it was not necessarily the. It wasn't like when I went back, they said, "Yeah, we're gonna." you know, women's wrestling and everything, because it was already there from the first time I was there, but uh, they never stopped the mm-hmm. women's wrestling. I, I think the main thing for Impact with me was that they allowed me to be myself. Yeah. I never felt yeah. like I had to try to be someone, I mean, literally near the end of my second run, I, I think it was the second run, I think, yes, I I highlighted my hair lighter. I remember thinking, I've done everything they've told me to do and I don't understand what I'm supposed to do to get this chance and I remember I highlighted my hair lighter I'm like is this what they want <laughs> you know it was just it was just crazy and uh, I always tell people when I was there and if you've never met me in WWE and then you knew me in Impact TNA I you wouldn't even know it's the same person I mean from going on walking on eggshells to not feeling like you can be yourself and that's good enough than to going to somewhere where they actually utilize the best parts of you it was such a huge difference you know so um for me it was just more about happiness and doing what I loved and being able to just live my life that way I just didn't want to be miserable anymore (laughs) it feels like um there's a I won't say best of both worlds, and I won't say worst of worst worlds, but um, the fact that there, you had the time in each company and got to you know, um, you know show off different parts of uh, your ability and, and certain things were highlighted, in some ways, it must be frustrating for you, because I'm sure every now and again people go, why aren't you going back to WWE? Why aren't you in WWE? Because it's, it's what people do. But yeah. on, on that, on one front, you're, by being with them, you're getting by far and away the, the biggest highlight worldwide and people know your name, but if you're not getting to do what you're best at, then they're not getting to see the best of you. So the fact that people right. have got to see so many years of you doing great stuff in Impact, I think if people are, are dedicated wrestling fans and have followed you on both, they've really got the, they've got the best deal. Do you know what I mean? Because they've learned who you yeah. are on a, on a grand scale, but they've also got to see the very best of Gail Kim, and I think they're the lucky ones. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I don't feel like... I feel like there's a few fans and I'll hear it on social media or something or you know I remember you from WWE and uh, it's I'm really fortunate to have been able to at least experience it and then I met my husband there the second time so there's some good things that came out of it and my friends of course lifelong friends for life but um, I don't know I think it's just the hardcore fans that really know me you know who really truly love wrestling who respect wrestling so yeah I got a little bit of that but I mean I really you gotta think about it we were on TV maybe three to five minutes a week yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it wasn't really that much to be honest no it's not, so, it's not a showcase is it really and it's a, no yeah so without wasn't. without going too much down the uh you know the, the WWE centric line. Is it is it therefore yeah. a little bit frustrating to look at how things are now, and you know not just you know a, a women's battle royal, get the women's royal rumble, I should say, headlining a pay per view, but just the general presentation. Is there a little part of you that feels, man, if I'd have only been around five years later, or if this had happened five well, years earlier? 
Yeah, I mean, I expressed this on social media the night of the Rumble because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm honestly just happy that it's happening for these girls because, I mean, you can tell how passionate a lot of them are, like Charlotte and Sasha and Bailey and uh, Becky and, you know, those all the girls, Nat, Natty, who's been there a long time, all the girls are so passionate. And so, of course, you want to, you know, the people who want to make it all a competition between us no it's not i'm sorry for me anyways i'm retired and i'm 41 years old i'm like for me there's nothing to be jealous of or anything i'm just happy for them um now yes the way that it's presented i have an issue with and because you know um stephanie could have fought for us when i was there Mm-hmm. You know, she could have fought for us a long time ago. She's been there the entire time. And for people, you know, the way that some people reacted, well, she had a family then and she was having babies and whatever. Okay, well, she was backstage regardless. I mean, I saw her all the time. So she could have been fighting for us. Any one of those people could have been fighting for us, not just her. I mean, I'm just saying her because, number one, yes, she is the daughter of Vince McMahon, so she probably has a loud voice, the one that he would listen to. And number two, she's a woman. So, uh, you know, when you come out on the show and act like, yes, pro women's wrestling, well, come on, you know, be completely honest. <laughs> you could have been fighting for it a long time ago. Don't jump on the bandwagon now. <laughs> it's a very fair point. There's certainly um, uh, on-air credit is certainly pushed her way, isn't it? So if, if uh, even if, even if she I doesn't... I don't know. Is there, well, is there well, on-air credit? Well, well, I think there's certainly... I think they spin it that way a little bit, and certainly yeah, her, her, yeah. her character, anyway. Let's put it that way. Seems to uh, seems to be part of that, although that's a little bit skewed. Um, I'm interested that you yeah. brought up your, your your social media comments over the last couple of weeks because I I really did smile at one the other day, and I, f- I forget the exact wording, but I think someone you said something which was just an opinion, and there was nothing really you know deep in it, and then someone said, oh, why the hate, or why are you being a hater, oh, or something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. and you just went, oh, yeah. this is a statement. This is just how I feel about something. It's <laughs> yeah. not fueled by you know dis- you know despising anyone. It was a, yeah. That is, Twitter is like that, isn't it? It is black or white. It is you have to either love something or hate something. And I get it. Well, I get it because even through a text message, for example, some people don't understand the tone, and I get that. Sure. But I think that any time that – this is the one thing I want to express to all these WWE fans out there. I think they think that any time someone's not part of that company and they say what they think about it, and if it's in any way negative, people think either they're bitter or whatever – it's just funny that you can't just have an opinion about mm-hmm. something and it doesn't matter. You know, I have no desire to go back to that company, but I will, I'm a very straight shooter and I'm very direct in what I say and I'll be honest about what I say and whether people like it or not, I'm still going to say it, you know? Um, so I love what the girls are doing. I love the first women's Royal rumble. I didn't really love how uh, Rhonda came out at the end. I felt like that was a little awkward, but, um, besides that, I love the actual match. I loved seeing all the women from when I was there, my generation. Um, I would have liked to have seen like Melina or Lisa, you know, Victoria, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of every, you know, a couple of other women in there, but, um, you know, it was very, very good. It was, and it was, um, and it was also pleasing to um, to see the people that were, again, going back to social media, reacting to it, and um, just just to kind of put a bow on this this particular topic was that I've I've always found an issue with 
when I see wrestlers wrestling for other companies who, you know, actively talk about how, well, I didn't watch WrestleMania and I don't watch their show. And it's yeah. like, well, sometimes I think you probably should. <laughs> and it's like, it's probably, it probably makes yeah. sense for you to, to have an all-round view of something because it's going to help you yeah. um, do what you do. So to, to see you commenting on it and being very fair and, and giving your straight opinions, I thought was really a nice addition to, to seeing what was going on because you're in a really good position to be able to judge because we sit on the outside, yeah. we're fans and we watch, we've got vested interests yeah. or whatever, but you're looking at it from one, the perspective of this is a good thing that's been going on but also you're saying here's some friends of mine and I'm happy that they're getting some spotlight oh absolutely and you know I, I mean to be fair I never watched a complete show since I've left that place so that was the first full show that I've worked uh, that I've watched mm-hmm. and you're right I should be watch. I actually do tell myself that sometimes uh, that I should be watching you know just to learn whatever I could or get creative ideas in terms of matches uh, not storylines, because that's not my department. But, uh, and from what I hear, they don't really have storylines, but I'm not really sure. Um, but it was, I mean, I thought the pay-per-view was, I enjoyed it, you know. And um, it, I think wrestling is wrestling, and you can't, I like I said on my social media, I, I made another comment one day. I said, it is entirely possible to be able to support wrestlers and the women, uh, but I don't have to agree with the morals of the company. I don't have to agree and like the company that I'm watching necessarily. I can enjoy that show or enjoy that match or, you know, look at things in a very, um, uh, what's the word? You know, unbiased way. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, so, I mean... You know, that's I love this business. I always have. Uh, doesn't mean I love the company. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, once again, I think that comes across, and it's, I think I think wrestling fans gravitate towards wrestlers who they can tell love what they're doing. I mean, I'm not saying yes. that, I'm not saying you have to. I think there's a real example of like of someone like Goldberg, you know, coming along and being the biggest star in the world for a time, and he'd never watched wrestling before he got into it. But I think generally yeah. speaking, those that have got a long career of having great in-ring work. I think you can yeah. tell the ones that have really cared about the craft and you, you fit into that. And I would imagine when you come up against someone that fits into that bracket as well, as a, as yeah. a wrestler, you must go, oh, wow, this is such a great opportunity. We can create something here. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, throughout the years of just having a stronger women's division at one point to a weaker one or, you know, whatever it is. And you, this is what I always try to stress to the girls when I'm agenting or uh, whatever. It may be a independent girl asking me for advice. This, one of the things I always tell them is you should adjust your style to whoever you're working with. Mm -hmm. And I always changed my style to whoever I was working with, especially in the last half of my career. So if I was working with Maurice, I knew it was Maurice, ODB, uh, you know, certain people like that. I knew I was going to do, uh, try to work on all my character stuff and, as opposed to having a really competitive, crazy match. You know, if, if I was going to work Mickey, I know I can do a little bit more. If I knew I was going to work Alicia Fox, who was always a great base for me, Beth Phoenix, which never happened, but only once, but you know, I got <laughs> excited. I got excited at those moments because then I knew, okay, Oh, I have this chance. Even with Taryn, when nobody knew that she, I knew what her strengths were, and so we kind of played to those strengths all the time. And you always, you got to think. You can't just think in one uh, mode. You always got to kind of think. Okay, how am I going to work with this person? And what are they good at? What are they strong at? And uh, just like working a big person like Kong or Lady Tapa or something, you have to work the size. You know, so. Um, 
I'm a true believer in that. You got to kind of open up your horizons and be open to working different styles. You, you mentioned how um, how you put that together and how that's your thought process. And you also mentioned about doing some agenting. I, d- I definitely want to come on to that um, shortly, so uh, I will return to that. But just something, yeah. the, the, I'm pleased that you brought up the Taryn match because the reason is because I don't want this to be the kind of you know, standard interview in, you know, career retrospective, what's your favourite match, all that kind of thing. But that yeah. is a match that I think really stands out. Um, as you said, because kind of no one was expecting it. I mean, I think they were right. expecting something, but not for it to be that good. And that must have been right. a real sense of pride when you came back and, you know, you, it was almost a little bit of a, right, follow that then when you walk back through the through the curtain, because it, was, <laughs> it really was genu- genuinely outstanding. It wasn't like a, oh, it was, you know, quote unquote good for the women or good for Taryn it was just a great match and you know that must must have been a real sense of you know achievement for you for that one it, it was um, I still have very clear memories of certain moments from that day and one of them was that uh, later on the main event was Bubba and Sting okay. and they had like a no DQ type match and I remember that day when we were planning everything um it was literally like everything was getting taken away from us because of the main event. It was like, you can't use tables. You can't use this. You can't use that. And literally I had to beg to use that chair in that mm-hmm. match. Right? So, I mean, we literally used that chair throughout the entire match and that was it. And so, uh, it's interesting when you're faced with certain challenges. Um, uh, I think taking away everything else from us actually made the match better. And so we really had to think outside the box. And we didn't know that some of the things that we planned were, it just got executed perfectly that day by chance. I don't know, God was on our side. And also the fact that, for example, our story was built, but I felt like, like you said, there was low expectations. So it was just kind of, I think it came out of nowhere in the crowd. The crowd was a huge difference in that. Um, being in Boston so there's a huge wrestling crowd there fans there and they just really I mean part of it was us and part of it was them that they just really were there for us at the end it was just insane and then I remember coming through the curtain and uh, our agent at the time and Bruce Pritchard was there and uh, it was literally like you stole the show you stole the show. It was like a proud daddy moment for him. <laughs> and, um, I, those are the clear memories I have, you know, it was just, it really was. Cause those kind of moments are very few and far between. I feel like I've had a couple of magical moments I felt like in wrestling. And that was one of them. I'm glad you brought Bruce's name up. Actually. We, um, myself yeah. and Paul worked with Bruce in the summer when he came over <laughs> to the UK and did his, um, uh, sort of a, some versions of his, of his podcast shows. I hosted them with him when he was over here. And, um, what's nice is obviously when you're traveling and after the shows and you get to have a drink or two and just have a little chat about the business and you know you find out from Bruce what some of his likes and dislikes and I definitely remember your name coming up on more than one occasion how he, he, he was someone you were someone that he liked working with because he felt that you were receptive to ideas but you came up with your own thing and you know yeah I think so moving my, my conversation on so now you're going to you know you'd be doing a lot more on on the producing front as, as it's you know you refer yeah. to Will you take that into account that the producers that you've worked with and how, you know, how you gelled and, and take that into what you do? Because I would imagine you'll be looking for people to be similar to how you were so you can get the best best out of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's been a lear- learning curve. Um, 
I, I started doing it actually right before I retired in the ring because I kind of had to um, transition. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to, they didn't want me to just get thrown into it. And so, but I kind of did get thrown into it because um, my first, are you, oh, sorry, uh, the car was honking outside. I thought the phone hung up. Um, no, so, <laughs> so basically, you know, what you really learn is from having different agents over the years, because I've had so many from WWE to TNA and Impact, um, everyone has a different style. And I know that with certain wrestlers, I knew with certain wrestlers, they like a certain style. Like, for example, there's some agents that tell you exactly what to do, okay. you know, and then you got to do that. Um, and then I didn't like that because I felt like I didn't have any creative, uh, freedom in the matches. So I didn't like to be told what to do. So you try to please your agent, but then do what you're going to do. And then there's some people who are just like, okay, put the match together. Tell me what it is later. You know, here's the business of the match. And so I kind of like to do a little bit of each because I want them to have their own creative freedom. And that was hard for me to let go of my control um, because I was so used to being in control as a wrestler. So when you become an agent, you can only suggest or, you know, give your suggestions. But then after that, it's out of your hands. Mm -hmm. You really can't control how they execute, how they perform. And you can tell them, you know, you know, if they looked uncomfortable or, you know, they're a little green or something and you just tell them just let go and, you know, you control the audience and whatever. But you can't, I mean, even it took me a long time to learn all that. So uh, you got to understand that. So um, what I try to do now with the girls is that I'm, I think it's great because we can identify with each other because at least I'm another woman that has gone through the same division and I'm very uh, invested in the girls and they know I care. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very much about just trying to, because uh, my strength was always, I guess, creating matches and being creative with them. And so I just try to give them the best of my abilities in that department. Um, but, you know, a lot of girls have different things to bring to the table. Some girls are really strong in character and um, so that's great. And I try to make them play that up. But if I feel like the match isn't maybe interesting enough or something like that um i will tell them let's get more creative in our matches and uh we'll start working together and brainstorming so um i feel like the last set of tapings we really came together and everything was really great these last tapings so i feel like we have a good solid group now um and it's only going to get better from here because we're just starting to gel that's great news it's great to hear and um I sort of feel that the, you know, the call it what you will, the the agent, the producer. I think that it's almost one of the last, um, the last areas that the wrestling public doesn't necessarily know all that much about because you've got pains in the ass yeah. like me trying to bash down fourth walls all over the place and ask about storylines <laughs> and all this kind of thing. I'm as, but I'm as to blame as anyone. But I'm not sure that people really, I mean, I'm not sure I do, really understand the, that role. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing necessarily that that people don't right. understand because I think. I think most people would imagine that there's, you know, there's a there's a Vince or there's a writer or there's someone that says, you know, out you go, here's your match. I'm not sure everyone really understands. They probably think you're either completely scripted or you're just yeah. allowed to do what you want. I think they don't really realise that there's that little intermediary that can, they could just add, a, you know, a fantastic little touch on a match, couldn't they? And just yeah. to change, change oh. it from something good to amazing. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like even though, say, I was very... Um, adamant about being in control of our own matches when I had matches for example you know Pat 
Simon Diamond, who is our female agent for majority of the time near the end, especially for uh, my feud with Taryn, he was always he was always so strong in character and storytelling, mm-hmm. and and I was always more about the wrestling. And then oh, and it's funny because I managed him as La Felina, my very first character in wrestling, my very first year of wrestling. I managed him, and we came full circle where he was my agent. <laughs> end of my career and we we would fight like brother and sister i mean we'd literally be headbutting i'd be fighting him for certain things because he would say oh you don't need it gail you don't need i'm like no we need it no we need it please let us do it you know i'd have to fight for things numerous time at times and he said okay but if the crowd doesn't react it's on you and i'll be like fine i'd say fine i'll take on that challenge and so I'd have to prove myself and then over time he started to trust me and we would just kind of always we created this relationship where we trusted each other and so I would take his suggestions and he would allow me to do mine and um, it just really went well together so I think they can like for example he was the one that suggested in that last knockout standing match for Taryn to put the uh, ring post figure four on me back in that match and uh, and honestly, that was one of the highlights of the match that no one ever even expected, because they were like, "Whoa, oh, she's doing it back to her! Holy crap!" You know, and that was his idea. Um, so it's always a collaborative effort between the agent and the wrestlers. I'm a true believer in that. I think going back to what you were just saying there about um, butting heads about things. I suppose as long as once the match is finished, one one or either of you will say, "Okay, you were right." Then you yeah. can, then you yeah, can move yeah. on. Then it's that'll work, won't it? Because it's, it's it's again it's a little bit. I think I think back to when I was you know at school and the, the the favorite teachers that you had were ones that you could almost have a go back at or at least you could have some fun with or whatever. But you respected them more because ultimately you go okay, I understand that. And I'm not saying that an agent is yeah. necessarily a teacher, but it sort of fills yeah. that role, doesn't it? A teacher, a coach, a, yeah. you know, a, that's, yeah. that sort of that sort of area. Um, is it something you'd you'd always thought about doing? Was it is it, is it kind of just fallen upon you as you were got towards the end there? Is it something you thought early on in your career that you would transition to? Uh, early on in my career, I didn't think about it because you don't think about the end when no. you're in wrestling. No, <laughs> you never do. Uh, I think most of us can tell you that. Um, after probably definitely past the halfway point and probably close to the end, especially when I started finding myself not um, – I started helping the girls that would come in and they would ask me my advice on things and it just kind of naturally started happening in a natural sort of way and then so when I knew I was going to retire um you know Pat Simon Diamond would always joke around because when I got a little bit like uh strong about my opinions he would hand me the the sheets for the you know for the format of the show and he'd be like here you go agent you know like making fun of me <laughs> and then he goes he, he'll be like you can have my job in a couple of years when I leave. <laughs> and um so that you know eventually once I retired um uh it was kind of a mutual thing I I mentioned it and they said yeah you know it was just kind of almost natural in the way that it happened what about like some Sorry, very fun. And um, what about um, yeah. training? Was that ever something you um, thought about with doing your own sort of training school or contributing to others? Uh, definitely. So mm-hmm. when I am home and there's uh, one of the girls that 
I don't know if she's part of our company anymore, but she's green and she's been training. And basically she asked me if girls ask me for help, I will not say no unless I don't, I can't, you know, in terms of the schedule, Mm -hmm. but having an actual wrestling school and training on a, uh, regular basis, I can't do that right now in my life. And I'm, I'm very honest about that. I travel way too much. Um, I travel with my husband if I'm not working. Uh, and so my marriage comes first and, um, and then right now my situation is perfect where I can work basically part time around that schedule as well. And so if I ever get settled down in one spot, then that's a possibility. Definitely. But I'm just, I just travel way too much right now. Do you think it helps them? You know the the marital situation that you're in, and the fact that um, you know Robert <clears throat> works so much and travels so much that you know if ever there was anyone that could understand what he does, it's a it's someone that's travelled the roads like a wrestler has. So I guess it there must oh, be yeah. a, a little extra bit of understanding there. Oh yes, definitely for both of us. Yeah. Um, it was actually the other way around when we first met because I was in WWE traveling four days a week for uh, almost five. Um, and he was only doing one show because now he's got many businesses and many shows. And so I was the busier one and going from town to town to town. And he was going once in a while. And now it's the other way around. But everyone always used to say, how how does a chef and a wrestler date? <laughs> and because <laughs> it sounds really crazy. But we have way more in common than anyone would ever imagine, and most of it is lifestyle. It's the travel, it's the entertainment business, you know, and entertainment just in general is a very challenging uh, field to be in in a relationship. So, uh, you know, we're normal people. We had our challenges, but we're good. I mean, we have now, I feel like, found a good stride, and uh, we're happy. Well, you found an Englishman called Rob, so you're doing something yes. right, aren't you? Because, uh, <laughs> right, right, right. I can identify there. <laughs> um, I'm lucky. Yes, indeed. You make, I'm, I'm glad you realised that. <laughs> um, but yeah, people often talk about the um, the you know the moving out of the moving out of the ring specifically, and a lot of people can, can find it hard. A bit of you know a withdrawal yeah. symptom, whether it's part of the. Um, you know the, the crowd adulation or whatever it is but I think there's a couple of things that we're gonna, are going to help one is you know the team I think people miss the team environment and you're still going to be part of that so that's a fantastic right. thing but there's so many there's so many um, avenues I think for let, let's say former wrestlers these days because not only are there things like um, you know uh, coaching or whatever you can do but there are there are you know personal appearances aren't there forever you can, you can have comic cons and and all those kind of things and reunions yeah. and, and, and and podcasts and all sorts of things so there's lots of yeah. things that will keep you sort of involved in that bubble I think that's kind of important isn't it to so not go yeah. straight cold turkey yeah and I I was a little bit fearful um, when I knew I was retiring because just because I know I know people who have gone through therapy <laughs> when they left the business uh, or gone through depression and you know everyone's seen that movie The Wrestler well, and so I was like oh my god this is so depressing <laughs> um, so I was a little bit worried and apprehensive about how uh, it was all going to play out but I will tell you um, there's a couple of things after especially after this Southside match um, it was just so emotional and special to me I really number one I couldn't walk after the match <laughs> so that was another sign uh, I said to myself if I can't walk after this match and I've been good for a little while here 
that is a sign, Gail. Mm -hmm. Do not go any further. Um, even if I feel great down the road again, no, this is not good. And two, uh, yes, like you said, I'm an agent, so I still get my fill that way. And I just don't want to ruin how it ended. Uh, I want to be able to walk in the future. And last, I think, uh, your mindset. So before I had my TV retirement, I was watching wrestling, and I remember thinking when I was watching it, oh, gosh, that looks like it hurts, whoever was wrestling. And I, I remember noting that thought. I thought, wow, I've never thought that way before. Wow. I was just, I always just thought, like, never even flinched at anything. I thought, okay, oh, that looks really good or really bad, but never felt like, oh, that looks painful. So part of me, I knew my brain had switched to... Maybe I'm in my mind protecting my body now. I'm not fearless. I'm not as fearless as I was for all those years. So, um, you know, all of those things just kind of added up, and I said, okay, you know. And I'm 41. Come on, it's an aesthetic business. Well, <laughs> so. I think um, it's an interest. It's an interesting outlook because of the. I think in the in the work that you're doing there when there's especially when there's you know it's not just you it's not gymnastics you're not doing a, a, a solo you know event there's someone else in there yeah. with you and i guess if you've got any sort of uncertainty you're liable to hurt yeah. yourself to hurt them you've got to be all yes. in haven't you if you're not 100 percent on it then things bad things can happen yeah and um like i said my back was deteriorating and it was affecting my walking and um and i used to be really strong for my size like I could pull out a power move at a, somewhere surprisingly and surprise the fans because they always thought I was so small. Um, but I literally couldn't even lift people anymore. And I said, okay, I just, I just can't at this point in terms of that. I don't want to be limited in what I can give the fans. You know what I mean? That yeah. should never play a factor into it. So. Are you prepared for the um, the inevitable? And I'm sure it'll die down eventually, but it'll pick up at different times. Are you are you prepared for the inevitable? When are you coming back? One more match? Are you prepared for all that? Oh, people have been saying it since I announced my retirement. But you know what? <laughs> the way that I look at it is that they say that to everybody that's been in WWE. You know, literally every person gets. When are you going back to WWE? When are you going back to WWE? And um, I, I don't know. It's just a question that I feel like is so common that you don't even answer anymore. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's probably the uh, the best approach. I think in some ways it's a nice thing though, because it, it does mean that. I think people often talk about you know signing autographs. Is it a, is it a pain to sign autographs? And I know that a lot of people say I'll miss it when it goes away. You know, there's that sort of. It's nice to yeah. that people do care, and I think that's a, there are some idiots that ruin it, and we we talk about them you know perhaps too much on social media. But I think there's a lot of good stuff as well, a lot of positivity, and around the uh, the wrestling world, I do get the sense that wrestling fans care about their wrestlers, and I'm sure there'll be, for everyone that's, you know, not really caring what physical state you're in, and just wants to see you wrestle again, yeah. I think there'll be, you know, dozens more who will respect what, you know, what you've given them, and I would want to want you to be happy, as opposed to, you know, just flogging yourself to death on TV yeah. just for their pleasure, I think there's more of those people, they just might be a bit quieter. Yeah, and you know what, and I also think it's back to what you said, like, um, a lot of people can't tell that I'm hurting because mm. um, when I go out there, I mean, I prepare, I prepare, I went to physical therapy for weeks, massage, chiropractic, everything. And I stay on top of what I'm supposed to stay on top of in terms of training uh, certain, like I'm supposed to keep my core really strong for my back and I'm very disciplined in all that. But 
Um, so people can't tell necessarily when they see me. For example, this last match in Southside, Scott Demore and Don Callis were both there. They watched my match. And the next morning, I saw them by chance at the airport. And Scott Demore, who's known me from the beginning of my career, he said to me, he goes, you had a hell of a match last night. He goes, why are you retiring? <laughs> and I said, because I can't walk today. <laughs> and so even someone that knows me from work and sees me a couple of times a year, um, you know, he couldn't tell either. But I, I'm hurting. <laughs> so... I have no problems admitting that. I put in a lot of physicality through the years. <laughs> well, and again, I'll, I'll come back to the uh, the fact that it, it you, you can't fool the audience. You know, if, if they know that someone's yeah. work, working hard and, and putting everything in and, and churning out great stuff, you know, they will appreciate yeah. it. Um, go on. I'm, I'm, I'll do uh, I'll do one or two sort of. I don't like doing standard interview stuff that everyone else does, but I'll yeah. do it. You know, if if you can, you know, in a few years' time, you know, whether you've got. Uh, whether you've got kids or there's someone else that you meet that um, you know doesn't know that you're a wrestler and you can show them something. I'm not saying necessarily what was your best match, but if you had to show yeah. someone a couple of things, this was who I was, this was what I did. <clears throat> are, are there are there things that stand out in your mind that you're most proud of that you would show someone one day? Um, if anything, I mean, when I meet a lot of my husband's business people and they don't know what I do, or a lot of the time people ask, what do you do? And I, I don't even want to say I'm a wrestler because they don't understand that. They think either amateur wrestling or they, who knows what they think, mud wrestling. I don't know <laughs> what they think, right? So I always have to say, uh, do, okay, what Hulk Hogan does. Like, because I feel like the whole world knows who Hulk Hogan is, right? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I always have to follow it up by showing them a picture of what I do because they don't get it. And so maybe I might show them like a high flying picture of me jumping onto Kong or something like that. Um, so if I was going to show someone something like that, I guess it would be me fighting Kong, if anything, because people are always just blown away by the size of her, number one. Um, and the toughness of it all and the story of it all and um, people just can't believe that because normally the another reaction I always get is you you're a wrestler but you're so small um, so I want them to understand that it's uh, not just about small girls so I'd probably show them Kong as well because it's about you know all kinds of women it's always drove me crazy when I see you know wrestling companies and all, all sorts of them do it um, talk about on air about their wrestlers being small. Well, you know, over, you know, refer to it over and again about you know, like a, a Daniel Bryan or something like that, and draw attention to it. Yeah. Now, I guess sometimes yeah. if it's a Rey Mysterio, then it's part of his character. But to others, I don't understand why they would do it because I think if what you do looks believable, people are gonna they're not gonna be. You know, if you're seven foot tall but it looks terrible, it's irrelevant. Yeah. But if you're five foot tall and it looks crisp and it looks like it hurts, people will believe it. And and I just think yeah. I've never thought of you necessarily as being small because it doesn't cross because I don't think people have ever gone oh that girl Kim she's small on, on air they've no not, no no they've not, <laughs> yeah. they've not talked about it as being a negative so therefore what you do looks good so therefore I don't think it's necessarily been something that's that's harmed you in, in the ring I can understand what people would say in, in real life I realise you said would, something different but yeah well I would say it's normal um, not familiar fans that say that normally uh, for the most part because they all they know is China, so most people think of okay. China. Yeah. So they think yeah. uh, this big, humongous, muscular girl. So that's what they envision. And so I always have to tell them, no, no, no. I'm pretty much the average norm, like 
five four to five six uh, athletic girls who are fit for them. You know, I, I have to explain that that's just not how it is anymore. Like China was a special person in wrestling, <laughs> and so that's all they know. So you just gotta educate them a little bit, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> just to touch on the, um, the the matches with Kong, um, I remember yeah. seeing uh, the first time. I think it was the first time TNA came to the UK, 2008, I want to say. Wow, I can't believe that's yeah. 10 years ago. Um, but uh, I remember you wrestling Kong uh, on one of the two nights in Liverpool that I was there and I, and I watched the shows. Um, yeah. Great match and it was going well. And I seem to remember you took quite a quite a bump off one of the, the ring posts, I recall. But you were you know, tough as anything and were, were up quite quickly from that one. But I've seen you wrestle Kong live several times on pay-per-view several times. and it's, When you've got an opponent like that that you know it's good... I guess yeah. there's two sides of things. One, you've got to you're going to think, wow, well I know this is going to work well. But on the other hand, you're probably thinking, well, how do we top that then? Because people have already seen yeah. this stuff before. So is it a bit oh, of a double-edged gosh. sword when you've got an opponent like that? Uh, well, it was definitely with Kong and Taryn both. I felt like, oh, how are we going to top the last one? How are we going to top? The-? It was always that great pressure um, to top the last one and. Sometimes we did it and sometimes we didn't. <laughs> um, so for me, it was more about with Kong because of the size difference and telling a story of uh, David and Goliath. It was harder, I felt like, to think of creative things to top the last one. And so I was very nerdy when it came to big matches and I'd always do a lot of research and watch matches and get ideas and spur my creative juices um, to think of innovative stuff. And you know what? Kong actually was the same way. She'd bring some ideas to the table that were always outside the box. And that's what I loved about her, you know? Um, But most of all, we trusted each other and respected each other. And um, so it's kind of different uh, with, Taryn, I always felt the need after that last knockout standing match, like, okay, how are we going to top that match? And they wanted us to do another last knockout standing match right after that. And I said, no way, we can't do that. We cannot do that. It's going to be compared. There's no way we're going to top that. Please, can we have a ladder match? Please, 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 please. We begged, begged, begged. Finally, they said yes. And then, even then, it was just like, okay, how are we going to do this? <laughs> um, so it's always a challenge when you've had something good. And if you're a perfectionist about trying to top the last thing, it doesn't matter really who your opponent is. I feel like it it doesn't make a difference. <laughs> if anything, as we, as we begin to, to round off here, if anyone could you know, have any doubts about your commitment to everything, Gail, no one asks for a ladder match. Everyone wants to do that. You're crazy. Everyone goes, no, not ladders. Don't make me do that unless okay. you're asking for it. <laughs> I'm sure there's other girls who have asked for it. For sure. <laughs> um, I was just more concerned. Well, I had mentioned a ladder match maybe a couple months before that. Um, but especially after I knew that they wanted to do the last knockout standing match again, it literally was from that match to TV. They wanted to do it like, the following week or night or I couldn't even remember it was very close in time and I said there's no way guys we just can't so I asked Taryn are you cool with it and she said absolutely and so I literally went from each office person that would make that decision at that time and begged and um yeah I mean that 
Eric Bischoff was one of them, and I remember telling him, please, 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 just give us this chance. And he said, honest, he's like, with that kind of passion, how could I say no? And so I was like, thank God. <laughs> yes, yes, we're so happy. And so we just, honestly, God was on our side again that night. Um, we had AJ and Abyss helping us with some ideas because they had a million ladder matches, and um, it turned out great again. So we're very blessed. Since you just mentioned him, actually, I, I, was, I wasn't necessarily going to go down this route, but you've mentioned him. I yeah. just wanted to ask you a couple of uh, points about a couple of people. Um, okay. there, was a, there was a stage where, um, you know, there was almost a, um, I don't want to call it an internet idea, I don't like saying that kind of thing and blanketing everyone, but there was a suggestion that there's a hell of a lot of talented people in TNA, and if they were to go to WWE, they'd get ruined or they'd get, you know, left behind or whatever. Yeah. There yeah. is a little group now who, you know, were contemporaries for a time. And I'm talking about people like AJ and Joe and, and right. Bobby Bobby yeah. Roode and a few others. Um, they have done so well since they've gone over there and they've been treated really well, it seems, on, on television. Again, we've talked earlier in the podcast about, you know, separating your feelings about a company and about individuals. You must yeah. be really chuffed for those kind of people that have worked so hard and are, 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 oh, being, yeah. are being successful somewhere else because they've deserved it, haven't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, I am so happy for them. And listen, to this day, despite my my own experiences with WWE, I always tell people, if you haven't experienced it, you have to experience it because mm -hmm. it could be a different experience for you. Um, who knows how it can turn out. And not just that, everyone's dream when, you be, when you're training to become a wrestler is to make it to that company. That is the big company to work for. So you have to go and see if that's your dream come true. Uh, you have to experience it or else you will regret you know, you don't want to look back in your life and say, oh, man, I wish I did experience that so I knew what it was like. Um, you know, and for people who ask me if I'm going to go back, I did it twice. <laughs> I think that's enough. <laughs> I did it twice. It was enough for me. I did not enjoy both times. So, um, you know, that, that, that was my own personal experience. And so uh, I always still give people... Um, my true opinion about what they should do and I, to this day I still help females still call. I had two phone calls in the last two days with girls trying out for WWE and I give them the best advice that I can give them and to prepare them so I don't I don't I don't have anything against the actual wrestlers I want them to have that chance um, you know just like I said, I'm not gonna say any more about WWE. No, 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 and I won't push. I won't, I won't push you yeah. too either. I didn't. I'm not yeah, trying to. Yeah. Sort of, I'm not trying to lead you down that road. It was just more. Yeah, than, yeah. More no, than no, I, I know that, you're not. Yeah. I know you're not. Just, you know, I want people to understand that you can still support. Of course, and and the people. Something that yeah, I'm getting at is that um, wrestlers. There really is a there's a family element. There's a reason why male yeah. wrestlers call each other brother, isn't there? Because you're, you're yeah. kind of you're part of that group and. Um, you know, just to see your friends or people that you've worked with, especially the ones that you know are, are talented and have got that ability, yes. you know, to, to shine wherever they are. Because you know, I, yeah. you, know, you know, whether it's you know people that are doing well in Japan or on the indie scene and stuff, it's great that there's so there is a lot of wrestling these days, isn't there? It's not a little while yeah. ago it was basically WWE and that's it, and then it was WWE and TNA and that's it. But now it does feel like yeah. there's a there are places for people to go and be successful and. and both make money and you know show off their craft and that's a good thing yeah yeah i love that they're um 
that there are options. There should always be options for wrestlers, and that's why, you know, when WWE is kind of hiring everyone, and I felt like they were just kind of hiring everyone to hire everyone <laughs> and take away, you know, for the competition. But competition is is healthy and um unfortunately because i wish there was someone that was on the level of wwe right now um that would be good for them honestly in terms of yes it would take money away but it would keep them on their toes to produce the best product that they can produce um you know like the monday night wars and um you know it brings out the competition is good <laughs> Let's just say that. That's a, that's it's a, great that's for it's great for the industry. Three words that we could all live by. Absolutely, competition is good. Um, yeah. First of all, um, you know, thanks so much for, uh, for for spending some time to you know to chat about you know where you are in your life. Because I think when people are yeah. uh, are fans of someone and they kind of you know in their head go away, um, I think it's yeah. nice for them to to know, you know, what it's all about. I always come back to. Uh, I remember watching Bret Hart's um, Hall of Fame speech, and he did a little line right at the end, and he said, "You don't have to worry about me anymore." And it was like, it was like he, it was like he understood his fans who knew that Bret had gone through a lot. And it's like, I, I think there'll be people out there that'll be going, you know, Gail's retiring, and I don't, you know, I don't want her to go away, and I hope she's okay. And it's, it's great to yeah. speak to anyone, and you can tell instantly when someone's in a good place in their life. And I think, you yeah. know, both, both for your family and your, you know, and your business side of things, I think I feel like you yeah. are. So the, the message to everyone yeah. is, you know, a really positive one, isn't it? It's just funny because I don't feel like I ever went away. Um, I guess because I still see all the wrestlers, I'm very much involved. I, I don't, because I don't watch wrestling because I'm traveling so much, I forget that I'm not on TV. Like, I don't really, <laughs> I don't think about that aspect. You know, I really don't. I I have always felt, even when I was on TV, uh, my life has not changed, you know, so I feel like it's all the same and a lot of fans see you on social media and they know what's going on in your life and uh, nothing's changed for me and I hope it hasn't changed for them. I, f I hope that they can just follow me on Instagram or Twitter. Um, Gail Kim, it's me, by the way, and uh, they can see what's going on with my life, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, still in the business very much, so. I've always been a fan of that. Actually, the fact that your um your your Twitter handle is Gail Kim. It's me. I, I'm assuming yeah. you had you had some people pretending to be you or something, did you? And then that yes. was your uh, way of doing it. Yes, and I don't know. I just thought of it on the spot, and then after that, and it's funny because now everyone at work will be like, "Hey, Gail Kim, it's me. Gail Kim, it's me." <laughs> <laughs> so it's become my name. <laughs> I, had, I had a friend of mine. I did a um, I was the best man at his wedding, and I remember I joked that this is uh. His uh, his now wife's um, maiden name was likes this because every time you put something on Facebook, it just came up. So and so likes this, and it was yeah, yeah. Is <laughs> that little bit on the end? Yeah, so, so so everyone says yeah, Gail Kim, it's me. Um, but it's uh, yeah. I, can, I can understand that. Um, I think of when I'm thinking of certain people, I will think of their social media handles. It's just funny. Uh, yeah, uh, what a, what a world we live in now. It shows how we yeah, live our, we live our lives on, on a phone. Eh? <laughs> so true, um, so. I've got. Two two final ones to uh, to wrap up with. Yeah. One, the first one's a little bit of a cliche, but uh, any regrets? Anything you look back on and think you wish you'd done that, wish you hadn't, or anything like that? Oh boy, um, no regrets at all. Um, you know, for I, someone just said the other day, I wish WWE would have treated you better, and I said, oh, of course I do wish that. Um, not necessarily. I do wish it, but everything because of the way they treated me caused me to leave and do all the things that I've done in wrestling. Of course. And so, um, you know, I 
saw John Laurinaitis at WrestleMania last year, and we were talking about my career, and I said to him, honestly, Johnny, I would have had no no career without Impact. And he agreed. Mm -hmm. He knows. Mm -hmm. And so if you just strip away what I did with TNA Impact, I mean, there's not much left. (laughs) So... um, you know, everything happens for a reason. And so I have no regrets. Everything was supposed to be this way. And this is the path that I was meant to be led down. Excellent. That's a lovely answer. And I think I figured you would say something like that, but I, I wanted to hear it. Cause I, 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 you know, yeah. People always throw out that kind of uh, that question. I, I thought I knew where it was leading. Yeah. And just finally, yeah. you know, you mentioned the fact that you, um, you finished your career over here in the ring. I'm sure you'll come back over and uh, visit at some point. And I just want to yes. say, you know, did it you know did it top off your special week finishing your career over here because you uh you got to eat Nando's three times? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were at a venue that was literally five minutes from Nando, so I got a meal I ate a meal there, I took one to go for the show, and then I get to the airport the next day and I really couldn't find anywhere I like to eat and I saw Nando's and I go, Ah, ah, let's go for Nando's again. <laughs> so yes, it was perfect and um it was uh, icing on the cake for my career, for everything. <laughs> Mate, that was a that was a cracking interview, but I tell you what, I'm feeling a bit peckish now after all those Nando mentioned Nando's mentions. You after the halloumi, aren't you? I thought that you're gonna all the way through that interview. Paul's enjoying it, and at the very end, he's gonna take out. Oh, I fancy some halloumi now. It's the best, mate. It's the best. Fancy a bit of pita bread and some uh, some halloumi and some medium chicken, but uh... chicken pita, red pepper dip with pit- warm pita bread, followed by a double chicken pita with halloumi. Do you oh, know what? Now, please. In fact, can we just stop recording while I go and get that? No, me and the twisted genius before the um, uh, before the um, the Royal Rumble party at the Clapham Grand, when Paul was a bit busy still doing other uh, administrative administrative stuff. Um, me and Dean A.S. Twister Genius went off Fernando's and uh, we both got there and we sat down and we looked at our menus and we both looked at each other and went are you the kind of person that just knows what you're going to have each time but sits down and reads the menu anyway yes I am and then we got up and went and ordered so it's um, you finally do that you sit down and you read the menu you're not reading it you've got two maybe three different things that you have that's it but you know what you're going to have and uh, and that's it isn't it job done fair enough I'm going to keep on saying it. Nando's, if you're listening, you know, we don't mind free stuff. I don't even mind a black card. You know, I'll, I'll take one. It's fine. It's fine. Just don't be afraid. Just don't be shy. That's what, that's what I worry about, Paul. I worry, I worry that they're shy. They, well, clearly I, they, are. Cle- they clearly want to give it to us, but I worry that they're, you know, they're holding back and they're thinking, well, Rob's overweight anyway. We don't want to make him eat more stuff. But, you know, guys, it's fine, right? You know, it's all under control. So. Take one for the team. Yes, indeed. Indeed, mate, we will. Um, you know, speaking of team, um, you know, we thanked before the uh, Royal Rumble parties that we did. We thanked our team uh, that helped us all around the country uh, for the Rumble, and we thanked them beforehand as a as an advanced thing. And I want to thank them again post. And um, we should have done so a little bit more last week, but uh, thank you to everyone that uh, assisted us. And one of the main reasons I'm saying this really is to really, really appreciate that team because we're going to need them in spades for Wrestlemania because get this everyone we did 13 different venues for Royal Rumble Paul only wants to do more we this are right. doing you want, more you, uh, you want to do more what's wrong with you man I don't know He's a good. it's a very good question actually mate but you know you've got to try these things haven't you so how many are you doing this time um 
an indeterminate amount so far we have announced 11 different venues which is not more than 13 it's not more than 13 I, but I'm bloody good at my arithmetic and that is not more than 13 well deduced Rob you're right 11 is less than 13 but I'm looking at two lists on my computer right now I'm looking at the list of confirmed parties and the list of parties that I am still trying to confirm now not all of those will drop but I can promise you that we will get over that 13 number no question wherever you are in the country I'm not going to guarantee anything just in case you're listening to this in the Outer Hebrides or something but uh, thank you if you are for, for your dedication in fact I know we have some listeners that uh, are not in the UK so uh, wherever you are listening to this thank you we appreciate the support of the, uh, the yeah. podcast the, the, Jim, the Jim Ross podcast that we did a couple of weeks ago was by far and away our most listened to podcast ever so thank you everyone for uh, for your support we do appreciate it Even some people even listened to just you and me mate rambling on last week Who wow know? wow but, uh, so wherever you are if this is the first time you've listened thank you um, we do appreciate it, and uh, we'll be sticking around for the foreseeable. So if you're not really, you know, if you're a big Gail Kim fan and you happen to just have accidentally left the MP3 running while you're in the car, um, let us reintroduce ourselves to you. We are Paul Benson and Rob McNichol, in the other order, um, from Hooked on Wrestling. And what we do, essentially what our core, um, you know, the core thing, our core value that the, uh, we do, are pay-per-view parties. And we yep. have 13 of them for the Royal Rumble all over the UK. Uh, we went into uh, Scotland for the first time, uh, went up to Glasgow, that was a huge success. Um, and we had a few more new venues, we're going to do some other new venues for WrestleMania. And essentially what we do is we take over a venue, We will. the main thing is that we screen the pay-per-view from midnight or one o'clock or whatever time it starts right through to completion. And so you can have a drink and you can have some food and you can chat to your mates and you can have a jolly good time uh, in a great venue with hundreds of wrestling fans enjoying the pay-per-view but that is not all we throw in the famous hooked on wrestling quiz we have people dressing up as their favorite wrestlers we we spin some wrestling tunes as the night goes on and depending on selected venues there may be some other bits of entertainment going on video games and beer pong and all sorts of different things that are going on in the venues so um it's a very special way to watch a pay-per-view we're very proud of um, what we've built up over the time and we've had some incredible hosts that are working with us um, I don't necessarily include myself in that but hopefully you had fun with my one at the uh, at the London uh, show down at the Grand in Clapham but we've had some other extremely good hosts a couple of them are buggering off for this show in New Orleans or something um, how dare they with, uh, how dare know, they how very dare they um, but we will have suitable replacements and uh uh, everyone has to go through the, the, the rigorous Hooked on Events um, scale of appreciation and we managed to uh, to get you the very best in host and genuinely I'm, I'm very proud of the roster that we've built up of people even if a couple of weeks ago I did complain that I'm now about the ninth most well known one um, at one point I was the number one but then at that point we were running one party yes absolutely um, so, so that was that was fair but um, just very quickly, Paul, um, if you're able to, where have we announced so far? What, what details can you give us so far? No. We, won't, we, we did no plugging last week. We're going to do a little bit more this week when we're going to go mad in a couple of weeks' time. But we're not going to go on big on the plugging, but give us the cities at least that you've, uh, we've announced so far. Okie dokie, let me tell you. So we got, let me just count it up. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Oh, actually, we've got 12 announced, actually. I tell a slight lie. We've got 12 events announced, and they are... We're going to be back in London at the, at the Clapham Grand again. We've been there now uh, for three events. This will be our fourth. Lovely party. Each one's been bigger than the last. This one's going to be the biggest yet. 
Yeah. I've already sold over a hundred tickets, which in a week and a bit is just ridiculous. Um, ridiculous. So, you know, that's going to be a capacity crowd there. No question. Um, we're going to be at walkabout in Manchester in the print works again. First time out there last time for Royal rumble. Great venue. Everybody had a great time. Um, loved it loved being there we've been wanting to go there for a while now we are and we, these parties are going to get bigger and bigger um, we're also big thank to... you by the way to sorry to cut in mate but big thank you to um, uh, to Danny and Lauren who are a long standing uh, absolutely helpers of, of Hooked on Wrestling and do a... Manchester is one of those venues that we don't have to worry about oh no we know, we know that they're going to do their thing so uh, a big thank you to... and we, listen we are appreciative of everyone that helps us but they're they've been with us for a long time now and just sterling work that they do so thank you to them correct correct then we are also at walkabouts in Sheffield Chelmsford Brighton for the first time we're going to Newbury um, for a brand new walkabout that's just going to be that's just it's either just open or it's just about to open um, in Newbury Town Centre there we are also going to be at um, walkabouts in Derby um, and in Watford for the first time um, we've also got the pleasure of being the first major event in what is going to be the brand new walkabout in Leeds um, not far from where I live it's two floors state of the art equipment it's going to look absolutely mega so we can't wait to get in there um, then we're going to be in Birmingham again at the Texan Roadhouse as we were for the Royal Rumble they jumped in to help us out at the last minute and great experience for the bar great experience for all our customers there they all loved it um, we're going to be back at Sharky's um, Sports Lounge in Bournemouth and then last but not least actually no least um, we're going to be going to Cleethorpes for the first time <laughs> <laughs> bit of right, an inside that's... joke this one yeah. basically uh, a couple of us involved with Hooked on uh, Cleethorpes Grimsby boys born and bred um, and there was a little opportunity to go and do a party there um, so we thought, why the devil not? And to be fair, it's got a hell of a lot of attention so far. Um, so maybe, just maybe, it's going to be the latest hotbed for Hooked On. Who knows? That's the the one place that, you know, when people are growing up, they say, where do you want to wrestle? They say, I want to wrestle at Madison Square Garden. They say, I want to wrestle um, at the Royal Albert Hall or the O2. And they want to wrestle um, at Corican Hall. And they want to wrestle in Cleethorpes. Well, funny you should say that. I was reading an article just today from Total Wrestling Mag, who did an article about uh, the Lincolnshire's version of the Corican Hall, which is the Memorial Hall, which used to host a lot of wrestling back in the day. And uh, I won't plug the company because we, we don't do that on this podcast, but um, there is a wrestling event taking there very soon. Uh, taking place at the Memorial Hall, which is the first one there since 1994, which is going to be emceed by our good buddy Richard Young one of our hosts he's going to be our cleat ups host and the card's incredible it's got um, Pete Dunn on there it's got Jimmy Havoc on there um, Lana Austin um, loads of very uh, Joseph Connors another hooked on host is on there so it's going to be an absolute I'm, I'm really excited unfortunately I'm on holiday which is a pain in the neck but if I wasn't oh, yeah. I would be right there because it's a cracking card back in Cleethorpes, my old stomping ground dead shut to see wrestling thriving there so we're definitely not going to plug it, but you have said where it is, five of the wrestlers that are on it, and who the MC is. There you go. Well, right. you can tell go us who it is. Tell us who it is. It's BWR. BWR. Okay, we wish you... Listen, we are absolutely impartial 
on this show, okay? We are we are do not favour one company above the other, and that is absolutely genuine. But listen, if you send us stuff and you you, you have things that you want to, no, I don't mean free stuff. I don't even mean free stuff. I, I mean information about something. If you want us to talk about it, hell, we'll talk about it. Not favouring one above another, but we want to promote stuff. So. Listen, I'll tell you for now. I'm going to hopefully going to watch Five Star Wrestling in Plymouth in a couple of weeks' time. Um, they're on uh, on in the Plymouth Pavilion. So I'm going to go and watch Big League Wrestling at Exmouth. So down in my part of the world, there's some uh, some wrestling going on. I'm going to go and see those. I encourage other people to do so. Get out and watch your local wrestling. There'll be a lot Fair of enough. you that love WWE. You love Impact Wrestling. You love Ring of Honor. You love New Japan. Cool. Not a problem. You go to the tour shows and watch WWE at... Butlins or at the O2 or at Manchester Arena cool excellent so you should do but there's tons of good stuff on and I don't just include Hooked on Wrestling's pay-per-view parties which are ace as well but there's bundles of great wrestling companies all over the country doing a great job seriously get out and watch it and a lot of them are great value 10, 15 quid great night's entertainment found for the family <laughs> I'm not shilling one company in particular I'm talking about the lot there is some great stuff out there right now and the coolest thing when you get to watch your local wrestling there might just be a local boy on that show that's 21, 22 that's starting to get a bit good and in the next year or two he's going to be big on the British scene and then the next year or two after that he's going to do some other spots in Europe and overseas and then he's going to be in WWE in the Performance Center in NXT. He's going to get promoted to the main roster, and he's going to get misused and fired. But that's not the point. He still will have got there. No, I'm saying that you never know. Honestly, <laughs> there are some great, great talents, and these days the WWE know what we're about in this country. You know, there is no way that rock star Spud Drake Maverick Woo, would have a job yeah. in WWE five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. Now. They're opening, their, they're opening their eyes to good wrestlers, to good talkers, to British talent. They've got a UK tournament. They've got some of our guys over there. We're taking over, by the way. The British wrestling revolution you know, has been kind of a quiet one, but it's not all about our promotions over here, but it's about our wrestlers going all over the world, doing fantastic jobs. Look at the job that Marty Skirl is doing, Zack Sabre Jr., you know, just, I'm so proud of them all. And we, Paul, we talked at the very start of this podcast about getting to know people you know, that we'd seen on telly, whether that's Kurt Angle, Bret Hart, Gail Kim. But we've got to know a few people on the uh, on the British scene. You know Marty and Zach better than I do, but, you know, just fantastic for them what they're, what they're doing right now. Oh, great to see you. And great to see all of them. I'm especially pleased for Spud. You know, I felt very, you know, I felt very much like he might have missed a boat in a way when he went to TNA it was a great opportunity and it was a big opportunity that nobody else was getting at the time but in those years when he was with TNA it seemed like the pathway opened up and it felt like he'd taken a couple of steps forward while everyone else had taken giant leaps that weren't available to him at the time and I felt quite sorry for him in that sense but I shouldn't have I shouldn't have felt sorry for him at all because true talent rises to the top um, and as loyal as he was to TNA, as soon as that relationship ended, WWE was straight onto him because they recognised how good that guy is. And those the first two weeks on on uh, 205 Live as the GM, he's been you know small roles, but absolutely knocked it out of the park. And with a Twitter game to match, actually, it's like he really you know makes takes his, he takes it seriously, and I like that. He all his Facebook utterances, all his Twitter utterances, he is acting like he truly is the GM of that brand. For him, it doesn't 
that responsibility, that role doesn't end when that camera stops rolling at the end of the show. It's it's who he is in his public persona, and I think that's really admirable. Um, he's going to be a big asset to that company. Good for him. And he's come so far because when he worked with us, with Hooked on Wrestling during the summer with us and Bruce Pritchard, he was just a trainee. Yeah, Wasn't that's he? He right. Just, he, was. he was just just getting into the business. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. The ropes. Oh. I love that character. That's a great. Character. I know. What a shame he's had to drop it. Eh? Well, I mean, you can come back to it at some point. But it was the uh, great fun, great fun. No, listen. Um, you know, Spud worked with us in in Birmingham, kind of briefly. Um, if you're not aware, we did a show with Bruce Pritchard in the summer, where Bruce came over. Um, we did sort of a version of his podcast here in the UK at several venues, and. Um, Drake Maverick, let's call him that. Let's give him his proper name now. He was, he was coming along. Um, he was in the, he was in town. We got in touch with him. He, we invited him along, just to come and say hi. He, he, he remembered Bruce from their working together in Impact. Um, so he was just coming to say hi. And then while he was there, we said, "Do you want to do something?" And he joined in. And he basically hosted the second half of the show. And I could put my feet up and watch what was going on. And he was hugely entertaining. It was great fun. Stuck on a hooked on wrestling jersey. Yeah. And just he did the business. We didn't pay him great a penny. Guy. He, Great just, guy. He, he did it for the love of it and to help us out and just to have some fun and you know, I can't speak highly enough of him what a what a great fella and allowed me to have a few pot shots at him as well I think he came up on stage and I went would you like to join in Sonny and patted him on the head and it was like, <laughs> I, I asked him do you mind if I do this he went I don't care he was, he's great fun he's got a great comic timing he's going to be wonderful in TNA and we waxed lyrical about him last week on the podcast but it doesn't hurt to do it again because he's followed it up in fact are you done with the are you done with the plugging for now, Paul? Because there's there's a point you want to make, isn't there, about two oh five live? Do you want to finish off any uh, pluggage necessarily before we uh, go on to well, your just, astute just, points? Just to say that um, tickets are available now for all those events that I mentioned previously from ringsideworld.co.uk, and you can check our Facebook page for any further information on venues and timings, etc. Um, Facebook.com forward slash ho wrestling. And if you want to check train times, you can go to Hull underscore trains. And you can hurl a piece of There you go. So then, um, 205 Live. Last week on the podcast, we sort of introduced a, well, I'm going to say a new feature because we don't know when we're going to come back to it. But we challenged each other to come up with something that maybe no one else is talking about. So not the big news of the week, not Ronda Rousey and not the Elimination Chamber and not you know anything like that. But something that other people might not be saying. So, we had some of those topics last week, but Paul, quite early on today, when we were just preparing for the podcast, said, I've got something. So, the floor is yours. I know, it's, I know it involves 205 Live, but I don't know any more than that. So, uh, what are you going to say? Well, it's quite a, a, a straightforward observation this week, to be honest, in that yeah, I've watched 205 Live sporadically um, since its inception, what, about a year ago? Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, it's not entertained me all that much simply because it felt like a watered-down version of the main roster, just smaller guys doing the same thing. Um, and, it, and it, you know, I kind of completely lost interest in it, really. Enzo brought me back for a bit, just out of curiosity, uh, when Enzo Amore sort of jumped ship onto there, and then it kind of fizzled away very quickly because it just became um, the Amore show, really. But then I wanted to give it another chance when I saw that... Um, that Maverick, uh, Drake Maverick was the new GM because obviously I wanted to see how he got on so I've watched it the last couple of weeks 
And what was very noticeable to me both weeks was how much it felt like the Cruiserweight Classic, how much it felt like the, the tournament itself that gave birth to the 205 Live. The matches were longer. The focus was on competition. The matches were announced and promoted at the start of the show as the most important things on the show. You even had packages that reminded you who these guys were um, and talked about the trials and tribulations they had getting to WWE getting to 205 Live and that continued this week with Maverick um, dressing down Drew Gulak and Tony Nese two of the guys who really sort of relied on character rather than ring work to get by recently and it very much felt like a, a bit of a reset for those characters when Drake was saying to them look you you know are you just a set of pecs and a powerpoint sign respectively let's why don't you just get back to what brought you to the dance in the first place and show us how good a wrestler you are um, and that felt like a very you know that was you know these times when you get a message from management that manifests itself into a, a TV message as well and mm-hmm. you could tell that was one of those um, and yeah it felt very noticeable change a change for the better I really liked 205 Live the last two weeks so it came as no surprise to me when I read this morning um that it turns out that Triple H is now the man for that show. It's so noticeable. Um, and, I ca- and I guess what I wanted to sort of say is it seems like whatever Triple H touches in terms of programming just turns to gold. Um, you know, NXT, these tournaments he's doing, um, you know, the, the Women's Royal Rumble, I think he had a strong part in that. Um, and now 205 Live it just bodes so well for the future with Vince McMahon you know, inevitably putting more of a focus on the XFL and let's face it he's no spring chicken anymore he's getting older uh, although we might think he's immortal he's not um, you know he's going to need to pass off more and more responsibility to others and if that responsibility is going to go to Triple H who's clearly putting his own team together around him you know you've got Jeremy Borash in there um, Billy Kidman plays a big part in that I think Adam Pierce, um, a lot of guys like that with some fresh ideas I read Jamie Noble did a lot of the fantastic booking for the for the male Royal Rumble um, you know if, if he's got say Jamie Noble and Jeremy Borash is the equivalent to his um, Pat Patterson and Bruce Pritchard I just think it bodes so well for the future. It makes me really excited about where we're going creatively with Triple H having such a fresh perspective on things. Yeah, Road Dog in there as well, I believe. He's, Absolutely, uh, yeah, part, yeah. Part of the crew. So, yeah. and what a great story that is because that's someone that's been oh yeah had his had his troubles and been on the outs and you know has really got himself um, you know back into into the fold. So uh, interesting um, approach from uh, from you, Paul. Yeah, looking at the um, the 205 Live thing. It's kind of a, a program that's kind of been forgotten a little bit. It's not quite, you know, a sort of WWE superstars or main event or, you know, it's not kind of one of those forgotten do an hour of programming for no reason. Oh. And it's not totally different like they're trying to do with the Mixed Max Challenge or anything like that. But it's kind of this, and it's not NXT, which people love on its own right. It's just this, we want you to do more Cruiserweight stuff, but they've put them all in together. And I just think. I don't know. I heard chat in the week about, you know, would you do? Maybe this could be my, um, you know, my point that I was talking about because I heard someone, for the life of me, can't remember where I heard the interview, but they were talking about perhaps they could do a whole show for the women. Now, wouldn't that be a brilliant thing to do a, you know, a show which is just about the women? And I think no. I think it's a terrible idea because 
what would happen if you said we're going to do one all for the men that would be horrible and sexist and disgraceful but if you do one all for women then that's progress is it no progress is equality progress is equality to the level of the rumble you know we're going to talk women's Royal rumble in just a second because we haven't got onto it yet but that's progress is equality not doing one thing for one group and actually you know if you're into cruiserweight wrestling that's great but you might still not watch an hour of it whereas if you have some great cruiserweight stuff going on on other shows and not just a throwaway five minutes on raw with the you know the most ordinary you know storyline of the week then maybe we'd be onto something and i just i hope that what you're saying about 205 live if it makes 205 live a better show cool if people are going to watch it more great but i hope what it does is bring a storyline or two into raw which desperately needs it just to fill it even if it's just to fill it out I'm not even sure, honestly. I don't know if it needs that. I th- I like the idea of being self-contained. And yeah, but whole... who's going to watch it, Paul? Well, They're not going to get big, big audiences. You need to get those people exposed to bigger audiences um, so they can go. I really like that guy. Whether it's Drew Gulak or Cedric Alexander or Drake Maverick or whoever, I'll go and watch 205 Live. Well, you that could it say needs the same. To be the crossover. You could say the same about NXT, and I dare say their audiences are quite. No, but that's it's, that's oh, that's over a long period of time that's built itself up. You can't seriously say that 205 Live is going to take four or five years and be like NXT. NXT is its own its own brand, really. It's, it's, it's a kind of a completely different... And yeah. the beauty is NXT does have the variety. You know, NXT does have, you know, a, rest, you know, a, a team like the Authors of Pain and a wrestler like... Um, oh, crikey, his name's going out of my brain now. What's he called? Lars... Sullivan. Lars Sullivan. You know, you've got sort of some big, hard-hitting guys like that. And then you've got, you know different kind of athletes we talk about the Velveteen Dream and how much we rate him and you know there's people like Johnny Gargano there's a, you've got such a range on NXT whereas the 205 Live is just cruiserweights well yes that's true actually technically it's just guys under 205 pounds but that's not to say you can't have different styles within that and you're seeing true. that already so you know you might have a guy like Callisto or Lince Dorado or you know a lo- another luchador like guy you're also going to get guys like um roderick strong who's been on there in the last couple of days uh, last couple of weeks or tyler Bate, or fabian Fab- uh, is it fabian eichner the guy who's in the cruiserweight classic who's been on nxt a lot i know who you mean um, yeah. you know you c- just because these guys are smaller it just allows them to be faster and quicker it's it you can still have a massive amount of variety within that show and building the character work i think it's only two weeks in, but I think the new direction absolutely showcases that, as well as bringing in these guys for like maybe one or two weeks that feel like visiting stars in the way that WCW used to do a little bit. Um, you know, like again, they're already they're already promoting the fact next week they've got Mark Andrews making his debut, um, yeah. which is really cool. Like they had a video package on him, um, yeah, and, and that's the right thing to do. And I, I, I hand on heart, don't think that would have happened if. Vince McMahon was still in charge of the creative on that show. I say, I, I you know, let's give 205 Live a couple of months and see where we look with this. I think, honestly, you could end up with a very credible new brand if it's allowed to breathe in the way it can and you showcase the talent in the way they should be showcased. I think you might be changing your tune in a couple of months. Okay, well, we shall see. We shall see. Mm. M- moving it on, before we talk about the Women's Royal Rumble, my point, the one I want to uh, to offer to you, um, and it's nothing to do with the current product, and it's nothing to do with the discussion on those lines, but it is 
a little bit similar to to do with 205 Live and things that you would see on the network. Um, the WWE have announced a new addition to the network, and this is one of the cool things about having the WWE network that they do change up the programming. So whether it's new stuff like, have you watched the um, the behind the scenes WWE 24? Uh, of course, uh, yeah. WrestleMania, brilliant. Yep. Another another triumph, excellent stuff, really interesting. Um, and there's a whole bunch of things like that. But we are suckers for the nostalgia, and they have released. Get this. 38 <laughs> yeah I know what you're going 38 Coliseum video releases um they're going on the network I think that are they all on I think they're all on by now uh, I, think I think they it, are yes they are it was, I read it at the weekend I think it was from Monday so you can now watch the Coliseum now if you don't know what we're talking about if you're a younger viewer and you're not necessarily um, been brought up in that era I'll be honest I'm not big on it it wasn't necessarily a huge I certainly didn't realise at the time what it was all about but you're talking from sort of like the late 80s, really, sort of 86, 87, through to, what would you say, about 93 90, or 93, yeah, it ends in 93. Yeah. So it's around about that, that sort of time period where WWE would release, roughly speaking, hour-long videos. Yep. Um, and that is to say video cassette tapes um, of various different themes. Now, it might be to do with comedy moments. It might just be to do with a certain tour of the UK. Um, a, a certain wrestler, a certain type of match. Um, sometimes they weren't really just a theme, they would just put a name on it and just have a whole bunch of matches. But this was in an era when television matches didn't generally have star name v star name. You would have a whole episode of Wrestling Challenge and you might watch, let's say, um, the Texas Tornado, the British Bulldog, the Warlord and Power and Glory all in squash matches. And you might have an interview with, you know, Sensational Sherry and Shawn Michaels, and you'd have a video package of um, the Legion of Doom, and you'd have uh, a new a new section with Mean Gene Oakland giving you all the matches for the upcoming um, SummerSlam. And that was the show. No headline match, no 20-minute promo at the start. You know, it, that was pretty much what you got. And that might sound rubbish to you, but to us, that was what we grew up on, and it was very character-building. You watched every show... And you got to learn the characters and their moves, their finisher. You know, it really built up to something. And then once in a while on Superstars, you might get, I don't know, Doink versus Quang or something. And huh. it was, wow, we're getting Doink v. Quang this week. And every now and again, you got some bigger stuff, of course. You would have a, a big angle such as a, you know, a, um, a barbershop window or something like that. But generally speaking, what I'm getting at is your average TV show was a lot of jobber matches. And big star names appeared maybe once every month, if you were lucky. Yep. Um, but generally speaking, you didn't have a lot of that stuff. These videos, you know, were matches where you got to see, you know, the natural disasters versus the Beverly Brothers, or you got to see, um, you know, IRS versus Greg Valentine, or whatever it might be. I'm, I'm not saying any of these matches are specifically on these, on these tapes, but you had those matches, and you had, you know, unless you went to a house show or you watched the pay-per-view, and the pay-per-view was only four times a year. These videos were your chance to see some big names against some big names. When we were younger, certainly, I, I assume that I speak for you here, Paul, down the video shop of a treat once a month or something. Absolutely. Night, well, once go, a week on a Saturday for me. Was that what it was? Well, you're lucky. I didn't get quite that often. I didn't have a video <laughs> shop in town. But if I went to stay with my auntie or something, I was allowed two things. We'd go down to the video shop. I could get a game out that I could play. I'd take my faithful Sega Mega Drive with me. And so I could get out a game. I'd get out Brian Lara Cricket or something like that out of the uh, 
the video shop that I could play and I could get a WWE or WWF of course it was at the time Coliseum video we would call them Silver Vision videos I think they were Silver Vision they were branded over right. here but, That's right. but uh, Coliseum video and you'll occasionally see them pop up as a little if you got the, some um, you know DVD box sets of like with all the Wrestlemanias or all the Rumbles and stuff you'll occasionally see Raymond Rougeau or someone pop up and say a Coliseum video exclusive because you would get little tiny extras on the on the pay-per-views but all 38 of those I'm led to believe are now on the uh, the network I haven't quite had time to have a little look into them this week but that's going to be a fun old nostalgia trip so if you've never seen those standard things before you know have some fun with it but if you you know if you have and perhaps you'll be having the time of your life looking at videos you literally haven't seen in 20 25 years and basically what I'm saying is bravo the network for actually being there that we can do this kind of thing because you know nostalgia you know as I even wrote for the sun a couple of weeks ago is not always a good thing sometimes it can you know bog you down in remembering the old days more fondly than you ought to but man alive if you can do it the right way and here on the show we talk about wrestling being fun we want you to enjoy it and you are going to enjoy going back and looking over some Coliseum home video great moments Paul Oh mate, well I've already started. I uh, I took great pleasure in watching the special. Uh, I can't remember the actual name of the show is, but it was the live battle royal show from the Royal Albert Hall oh, from wow. late 1991. Uh, it was amazing. UK Rampage? UK no, no, it was it was called something like Live at the Royal Albert Hall or something oh, like okay, that. Um, it was the first VHS, first wrestling VHS I ever owned actually. So it's got a special place in my heart, and it's it's one of those typical early 90s shows where quite frankly if you're looking for the work rate the managers are all crud but um, the characters involved and the atmosphere is so different and special such a special atmosphere around back then uh, that makes even sort of a big boss man versus earthquake match something nice and different and appealing um, I loved it I can't wait to get cracking into a few of those I know there's there's a few in um, again in the early 90s whether they had these UK Rampage shows and I think it was the, um, the 92 or the 93 one there's some cracking matches on there but there's one that was headlined by the British Bulldog against IRS that's right it was 92 just after Wrestlemania so it was Bulldog against IRS and I'm pretty certain that the um, world title match on that card is the newly crowned Macho Man Randy Savage defending against Shawn Michaels wow yeah that's exactly you, you threw me there because that, they're two people that I'm not necessarily going to know that ever cross paths you know and that's a that's a cool thing to see even if you're going to watch that there's not exactly a suspense that Savage might have dropped the title if you're watching it but you know just to see where Randy was at that stage of his career and where Sean was you know that's um, I'm just checking I'm just checking to see if I've got that right actually um, hold on, so I'm just looking at it now. Royal, uh, Rampage 1992 from Sheffield Arena. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Savage against Shawn Michaels. Bret Hart against the model Rick Martel. Oh, now listen, those those videos are, will be smattered with Bret matches because totally. they, they knew that Bret was a worker. So when Bret had the IC title and Bret had the world title even, they would roll Bret out all the time for these kind of things, for great matches. So... I, as a huge, and you know, Paul will know, the listeners will know, I'm a massive Bret Hart fan. Um, I cannot wait to get my teeth into some of these because my favourite thing about watching Bret, and people can disagree with me all they like, and I don't care, is that if you watch the Bret Hart match, you've got something different. And some people will say, well, it's not, it's backbreaker and, you know, sharpshooter. And no, it isn't. It's always something different. There was always a little bit of psychology. And I look no further than the King of the Ring that Bret won. What was that, 93? 
and you get three matches. You get um, Brett versus um, I think it's Bam Bam, Mr. Perfect and Razor. Is that right? In, in the Probably reverse they're not, they're order. Not, they're, yeah. not, they're, not, they're not in that order, but um, Ray, Razor Perfect Bam Bam. Yeah, and they are masterpieces. All three matches yeah. are totally different, and no one else could do that. No one, not in that era anyway. Speaking of masterpieces, one of the matches to check out on that UK Rampage 1992 is the Legion of Doom against the Super Team of Dino Bravo. And Colonel Mustafa. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now that's a combo. I thought actually for, baby. Just for a second, I thought you were going to say Colonel Mustard. And I thought, <laughs> uh, Colonel Mustard? Who did that character? Oh, uh, uh, no. Anyway. I mean, what, what a good character that would be to be one of the Cluedo characters. And you'd have a different foreign object every week. They wouldn't know if you're going to have the, yeah, the, the spanner or the rope or the... Get yeah, the lead, the lead piping. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> great, great fun. I want to see that. That's uh, maybe, um, maybe by next year's Women's Raw Rumble, it'll be won by Miss Peacock. Ooh, and, uh, nice, yeah. nice segue there, mate. Did you see what I did there? But oh, Miss Peacock, even maybe that could be Charlotte's character. She's dressed as a, as a peacock on uh, more than one occasion. Well, she was sat ringside as was Alexa Bliss, um, for the Women's Royal Rumble. Of course, they got into the ring afterwards with the winner Asuka with the incoming Ronda Rousey and um, plenty has been said about the uh, the post-match activity so I want to start with that Paul mm. um, did you feel that it was to the detriment of the women that had worked very hard and showcased their 30 women Royal Rumble match that the brand new Ronda Rousey never set foot in a wrestling ring well it's not true actually because it's Wrestlemania but you know what I mean no wrestling background kind of bigfooted everyone by appearing at the end did you feel that was the wrong thing to do or would you say um, that all eyes on the, on the uh, on the product is the main thing absolutely not no um no ronda rousey i don't think i don't think took away from anything that those women achieved um in that match and they did a great job it was a brilliant match i really enjoyed it much more than i thought i would actually i i did worry that i'd have to give it platitudes just for the sake of you know all, equality and making sure that um, we're, we're f- uh, helping to fight the good fight and I thought I might have to patronise them slightly but absolutely no, not no, no. Um, they were, it was a very genuinely good enjoyable hour of wrestling um, and Ronda Rousey took away from that not one bit you know what you've got to remember is that without Ronda Rousey there is no women's revolution well um, there's an argument for that isn't there we I, I, last week there I, was an argument for it it's 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 fair you, you can see the path it's not I don't I don't really see the counter argument is you know Ronda Rousey look at this way I read just today actually Ronda Rousey fought I think once in 2017 as a UFC fighter and a loss yet despite that she was the most googled female professional athlete on the planet that year and she's a megastar she's been in huge Hollywood films she is a massive coup coming to WWE and her coming into that ring at the end of that um, at the end of that show did absolutely nothing to take away from the achievements of the 30 women. She stood there in the ring with the two champions, uh, plus you know the crown jewel of the women's division in Asuka and the Royal Rumble winner. And I thought created a fantastic moment. We we did talk about the pathways for Rousey potentially, um, so we'll, we won't tread yeah, over last week's ground, but. No, I thought I thought it felt very separate, and and no, I in, in, that was a long-winded answer to a quite a short question. I thought um, 
I thought it really it was a real fitting end and a fission of excitement to end the night on. Agreed. And um, what I will say is, you know, you heard Gail earlier on say about how she wasn't crazy about it because, um, you know, she thought it took away from the, the girls that worked hard. But what I think is, I understand that train of thought. I certainly don't dismiss it. I absolutely understand it. But what I'm more keen to stress is that, as you say, Paul, Ronda Rousey's a big name. And if the Royal Rumble would have happened on Sunday without her, um, then people would have gone... Oh, there was a Royal Rumble. Well, who won? Oh, it was uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh, was it? Okay. Is he going to wrestle at WrestleMania? Yeah, he's against AJ Styles. And that probably was still have been the talking point. Yep. The fact that she was there, Ronda Rousey turned up. Really? What happened? Or she, um, you know, she went up against Asuka in the ring, blah, blah, blah. So there was something to talk about and it put the attention on the women. That's one thing. Secondly, I would have had a problem if, let's say, Asuka, who did Asuka beat? Who was the last person in? Uh, Nikki Bella. Nikki Bella, right? Okay, so let's say it was Asuka, Nikki Bella, maybe Brie Bella, and Becky Lynch or something, and they were all sort of in the ring at the end, and they were sort of either congratulating each other or just recovering or bickering or whatever. And then Ronda Rousey's music hit, and she came to the ring and cleaned out all of them and threw them over the top rope and clotheslined them and made one of them tap out. Different situation. And then stood there with her arms up in the air. Yeah, then you'd have gone, whoa, hang on a minute, you build these girls up all year. And then someone comes in and bigfoot something like that. I would have had a huge issue if she'd have if she'd have come in and just clotheslined someone or, or done whatever. But she didn't. And actually, not only did she not, she put the hand of friendship out and Asuka slapped it away. And if you are, you know, my big thing last week on the podcast was they're going to boo Ronda. You know, I think they're going to boo her. I think whoever she wrestles, if it's a one-on-one contest, they're going to boo Ronda and cheer the other one. There's a you know separate scenario if it's um if it's her plus one. Uh, against uh, Triple H and Stephanie, but then you know, if it were to be, uh, if it were to be a one-on-one, they're going to boo. We talked about that last week on the podcast. Um, but I do think that um, what they did for the WWE loyalists was they gave you that moment with Asuka when you went, "Yeah, that'll yep. tell her." So for the some the people that want to see Ronda will go, "Hooray, Ronda's here!" And for the people that don't want, will go, "Go on, Asuka." So you've got a dog in the fight. You've got someone to care about. Um, you know, so I'm okay with that. I thought they did it just about as close as they could have done. Uh, so I was okay, but I absolutely can understand why people would say they should have, for that point, just focused on the women, and then maybe on Monday night they could have brought Ronda out. And then you've got a bigger audience because Raw, you know, goes out to more people than the pay-per-view does. You know, so I could understand that argument as well. But for the time being, you know, I was kind of all right with it. Yeah, I thought it was great, and I thought, like I said. I thought it capped a very good match, and and I I I don't think there's any element of giving these guys extra credit because it was a first Royal Rumble match, and because it was something you know I, I hate all this talk about history being made with it and stuff like that. If you really want to highlight how equal they are and how they are as good as the men, just let them get on with it. Yeah, you know, was... forget all this history making stuff. Like, there's, I'm, I don't think I've ever seen a more cringeworthy moment in WWE history than when Stephanie McMahon came out and announced this Women's Royal Rumble, and they all, all these opponents who were viciously beating each other, just suddenly started hugging and crying and looking so grateful. I, I know what they were going for, but it just came across as so pathetic and so against what it should have been. Whereas really, Asuka should have just surveyed the ring and gone, right, then you're all targets, bomb, 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 and taken them all out. 
Um, that's how you really build a Royal Rumble and show how important it is. Uh, but and you know, taking all that to one side, I thought they did a great job on the night. I thought the match was booked really well. Um, I thought there were some great performances from a couple of the um, a couple of the women, notably Sasha and Becky Lynch. Um, I thought it was a good storyline to finish it off. Yeah, all right. You could argue that it was fairly similar to the um, to the final three of the men's Royal Rumble a couple of hours early, and it was, but it still worked, I thought. Um, and and I thought there were some really fun cameos as well, wasn't there? There really was. There was the one that I called all along. Which one was that? Beth Phoenix. You know that very oh, well. Oh yes, of course. What yeah. one's that? You and your <laughs> bloody. I said the hurricane thing uh, all night for the other one. Um, yeah, I thought that there, um, everyone that um, that contributed on that front, I thought, did so really well. They had a, a good pacing of it. You know, you had Lita early, you had Trish late, um, you had other people during the middle, uh, you know, like Beth and like Michelle McCool. Um, great fun to see Vicky. I didn't yes. see that coming at all. No, likewise. Um, that was lovely. That was a really nice moment. Um, you got the little Mickey versus Trish thing. That got a great um, reaction. Oh, that's one of the best women's feuds of all time. Yeah, it? but fantastic. You know, we, we we often talk about WWE fans having short memories, but they really haven't. You know, that's 10 years ago, mate. And they remembered it. Terrific. That was a nice awesome. moment. And I, I tell you what I really liked was that... Um, I liked that... You got the feeling that Trish, you know, cared about who she was with. Trish could have won that. You know, when she came out at 30, you know, it was in your mind, well, she could win this. They could have bought, maybe they bought Trish back to do Trish v. Charlotte at the Rumble, yeah. at the Mania. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, that was a, it was a legitimate, wow, Trish could win this moment. Um, but when she did Sasha's move, you know, that little, you know, the, I can't they didn't really describe it very well, but you know what I mean, don't you? That little body movement she does. Yes, yeah. The kind of, what the video game would call a taunt. Yes. You know, that yeah. kind of look at me, you know, shine moment. Um, the crowd loved that. And I think it was a little bit as if to say, I mean, listen, I, I think Trish would know um, who Sasha is, but even if she didn't and had not watched wrestling since the last time she was on the show and just someone showed her how to do it just before she went out. I'm not saying that did happen, but even if it did, that audience went, Ah, we like, we like the crossover. We like the crossover of the the eras. Um, I loved um, Natalia eliminating Beth. You know that because the, the you know the whole yes. yeah yeah. You know, we've been friends. We're friends all along. Big hug. Nope. Out. Well, and as you say, perhaps that's similar to, you know, to Seth and Roman. But you know, there's only so many things that you can do. I exactly. Think that Naomi doing the, um, the the Kofi Kingston spot, I thought was probably a step too far. Because <laughs> um, we'd already seen Kofi do that kind of thing, and by the time Naomi did it, you sort of went, mm, we've seen that. And you know, I suppose had the matches been the other way around, maybe you'd be saying, oh, Kofi didn't need to do that because Naomi had already done it. So, you know, it's perhaps harsh to have a go at her. She may not have known Kofi was doing it at that stage. But generally speaking, I thought both Rumbles had really good pacing you know you didn't have those moments where you went course this is getting a bit boring you know just as you know it was getting a bit sort of maybe mundane you'd get another blast from the past and you know people were reacting to the music even you know people like Kelly Kelly or whatever they were doing something and you know I don't want to get too laddish on this podcast but oh my goodness Tori Wilson 
<laughs> I know. She, look, she looked incredible. I she mean, looks like, like a different person. I mean, just, you know, she looked amazing. And I was never a big Michelle McCool fan as a wrestler. I never got it, never got the attraction. But they made her look strong. You know, she, I think she eliminated four people. And now this brings me on to my, my one little criticism, and it's not specifically Michelle. My one little criticism is I thought the returning... I know you said divas then, but I'll, I'll refrain from that. Ooh. I thought the returning superstars looked a little bit too strong. I thought there were too many moments where, you know, someone was doing okay in the ring, and then someone like Michelle would come in and then throw someone out. Yeah, but then they never... They, they, then... Sorry, go on, my interruption. They, yeah. they usually got their comeuppance. They usually had someone else throw them out, so you got a moment to shine for, you know, like a Mandy Rose or, or someone, but... Um, I just thought the, the returning star, especially the stars that weren't, you know, like Tori wasn't a wrestler, Kelly Kelly wasn't a wrestler. They wrestled, but they weren't wrestlers. Do you know what I'm saying? Is that? Yeah, I know what you mean. Certain, there are certain people you go, okay, you don't mind Trish and Lita and to an extent Michelle doing it, because they were wrestlers, they were champions. But you know, Kelly Kelly is not. Even if they brought Kelly Kelly back, she's not going to be threatening. Alexa or Charlotte or Ronda anytime soon. The only thing I'll say to that, mate, is if you go back and look at um, who eliminated who, the real key stars that WWE want to get over and protect, so Sasha, Becky, etc., none of those got eliminated by the returning stars. Um, I'll take your word for that. I think you're probably right. Uh, you know, the closest you could say is, is Be- uh, Nikki Bella eliminated a couple of them, but technically she's still an active wrestler. Oh, no, I like Nikki Bella. I think Nikki Bella's good. I think she's... I think she's still an integral part of the roster if she's fit. So, and and I, I've Trish, no issue with her doing it. Trish did eliminate Natalia, but again, you can get away with that because Trish is portrayed as like the the all time legend. Yeah, yeah uh, Trish could have won it. That's fine. No problem with Trish well, doing it whatsoever. I, I actually need, I actually remember turning to Harry and suggesting that she might, and I thought the key giveaway is that for the first time in a long time since she's appeared, Trish has made herself look like the Trish Stratus of old, the long blonde hair. Um, in fighting shape whereas since she's retired she's you know she's been a mum she's cut her hair she's gone brunette I think that's a natural colour she hasn't looked like Trish Stratus but she's made a noticeable decision to look like Trish Stratus so I went ooh that could be a signifier that she's coming back for another run but as it turns out it doesn't look like it is but it definitely pointed towards the fact that yeah you're right she could have been a winner she could and and that's another good thing of the whole uh, the whole show itself. We talked about it with the men's rumble last week. We can talk about it with the women's rumble this week. Is that you know multiple choices? You know we didn't go well. Clearly, Oscar's going to win this because Nikki Bella could have won it, um, and Trish could have won it, and you know there were others. You know, and up until the the bell went for thirty, you were still kind of expecting that Ronda could come out and be number thirty. So, yeah, yeah. You know they had some other options to win it. I think in the end, Oscar was the choice, the obvious choice, and she did win. And she was um, the best choice. And she was the best choice, and it, and it gives us some options going forward. So, you know, fair play to uh, to all that. Um, I have an ever so slight concern that, you know, they've now got to top it. Again, we talked about that with Gail earlier on in the, in the show, about, you know, when you do something very well, you've then got to try and top it if you do it again. Um, they did have to lean on, you know, eight to ten returning women. Can you do that every year? I think, are they going to bump up the roster knowingly towards the back end of... 2018, so they've got a few more on board so they can use them for the Rumble. Maybe there'll be a little bit of a flow every year where there'll be gradually more and more women in the company up until the Rumble, and then you might see a few get let go. I don't know. 
but um i i think um you're absolutely right i think they can only lean on that historic crutch so you know once and a lot of the beauty of this one was seeing those those old faces my my suggestion i'm sure it'll i'm sure it won't come to pass but why not alternate years I really only want, male or female, I only really want to see one Royal Rumble match per Royal Rumble pay-per-view. It's enough. Yeah, they got away with it this year, like you say, because they had two well-booked Rumbles, but there's only so many stories you can tell. If it were me, as a fan, I'd just alternate. I don't think there's any reason you need a male Royal Rumble every year. No, they're not going to do that. Just, oh, no, I agree. I agree. I agree. They're not. I agree with you. But that would be, if you're going to carry on with a women's Royal Rumble, then that would be my suggestion. But they won't. You're right. You could put you could put the women's rumble on another show. Yeah, but then it's not. But then it's not equal, mate. Then it's not on the Royal Rumble. Uh, okay, or, or you could put the men's one on the other show. Then, you, well, if, if you're going yeah, yeah, to alternate, you're going to alternate. You can have the, you know, you can have the women's. I have a feeling that they might make it twenty. They might not have the complete equality every year, because. Purely, I think thirty. I just think thirty is a stretch. Not because they're not good enough, and not because they shouldn't have the same amount of time. Of course they should. But if you sat down and wrote down every single wrestler on the on the roster, there are not the same amount of women as there are blokes. So therefore, it's so much harder, you know, to fill out the thirty. I think they might end up going to twenty. Maybe not next. Maybe not next year. But in the next couple of years, they might just make it a twenty, just to. Yeah, just to fit better and just to streamline it, and I really wouldn't have an issue with that per se. It wouldn't be taking a step back about equality. It would just be simply be saying, you know, or make it proper equality and have half the roster be women. You know, if if you're really going to be serious about it, bulk it right up and employ loads more and let some of the blokes go. And so when you watch Raw of a Monday, basically an hour and a half of its blokes and an hour and a half of its women. Do well, that then. Why not? If we're going to be, if we, no, I have no issue with that. What I think it should be, is it should be the best talent. So if the best talent in the world, the best drawing talent in the world, the best performing talent in the world, are women, then they should be on top and they should have more coverage. If there is a dearth, then don't feature them so much because, well, at the end of the day, if you strip everything down and just they're just people versus people, they just happen to be different divisions. You know, if the if the best drawing cards on your show are the ones with the tag teams on the top, then the tag team should be main eventing. Yeah, yeah. And and if if the best drawing things on the card are the cruiserweights or the heavyweights or the women or the, you know, whatever, you go with what's you go with what's on top, and you go with what's going to draw best for you, and don't think about whether you've got to do it because of race or because of gender or because of whatever just get out and do it and uh, that is what I would like I would like to not having a conversation next year about you know is it right for the women to do this because of you know because of hashtag me too or because of you know gender equality or anything like that not there's anything wrong with any of those things but we should be saying do you know what the women's division hasn't got any big draws at the moment therefore it's a bad decision to put them on last or the women's division is even better than it was last year because it's got this person, this person, this person, and this person, and yet they've made it a 20-woman rumble and they've stuck it on fast lane. You know, then you have an issue and go, well, how fair is that? Because they're absolutely on fire. I think that's when you start to have those conversations. Not now, hypothetically, but next year when it's December, are they in a position to do it again? Have they done a good enough job of building up sufficient women that they can 
be taken seriously to feature for that long time. If they want to book it that way, then they can. So I, I think it's up to them to make sure that they position themselves, you know, in 11 months' time to be able to produce it again and not suddenly get to the first week of January and go, oh shit, we need eight more women. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's, that, that's, that's key. And there are other ways to fill it. I mean, you could say, okay, we're going to have 20 from the WWE, but we're going to feature two from England, we're going to teach two from Japan, we're going to take two from Mexico, we're going to have two from NXT, and we're going to have two returning stars. And, you know, and, that, and that works, and that adds a little bit of intrigue to it. And you can have a little bit of a qualifier aspect to it, you know, the, the, the final four of the Mae Young Classic get in the Rumble. Yeah, 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 yeah you could do that. Little things like that, and just, you know, there have been Royal Rumbles, men's Royal Rumbles in the past, where you've had things like you know, um, someone won a tournament in USWA. Yep. You know, as, as a feeder thing, and of course they did it with NXT, didn't they? With people like Bo Dallas and. They did. Um, they did exactly. Uh, Rusev. Rusev, I think, winning winning tournaments access or whatever it was, um, to, you know, to get themselves, you know, onto that uh, onto that show. So there are ways around it. You know, certainly over here there is enough talent over here for, you know, any one of our, you know, but... wrestling companies in this country to have a tournament and the winner gets to wrestle in the Rumble. I was still devastated that Tony Storm didn't turn up in the Rumble. Yeah, well... well spoiler well, alert, it was when she turned up. Yeah, <laughs> that was the thing. Some, some of us thought that Tony Storm was a potential, maybe she could be in the Women's Royal Rumble, and, and she walked into the Clapham Grand. I was... So, someone on our guest list went, I've got someone with me, is that okay? And it was Tony Storm. It was like... <laughs> If anyone's expecting this as a surprise entry, there she is down there. Uh, you've lost my so, bet, Tony. Thanks. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Cheers for that. On a serious note, I wanted to see Nikki Cross in it. I thought Nikki Cross from... Yeah, uh, I was a bit surprised. I was... From Sanity. I thought she'd have been perfect for a Rumble. That would have been a yeah. great addition. Great, great bit of energy. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. her time yeah. will come. Yeah, of course it will. Cause, uh, Thank course God we didn't get to see Santina, eh? Well, yes, or, uh, or her Vina, or any there of those... Uh, there you go. ...spectacular entrants from... Uh, more through history um, and you said that their time will come and indeed the time has come on this podcast to uh, to wrap up for another week and um, thank you uh, to Gail Kim for being a really terrific guest I hope you all enjoyed uh, her thoughts on wrapping up her career but as you can clearly tell by listening she's in a good place um, and you know we wish her all the best because she's a, a good wrestler and an even better person um, thank you all for listening um, for continuing to make this uh, this new project a success and we're very happy so far um, thank, thank you to uh, all of you who have already bought tickets to Wrestlemania parties uh, around the country as Paul said over 100 sold already in London um, get in there nice and early folks because uh, if you know you're coming then the earlier you get in you can take advantage of prices you can uh, ensure that you can book tables that kind of thing um, and get the best spots so um, we encourage uh, you to get in as early as possible not for our you know, um, for our egos, but for your comfort on the night, and it will be uh, of great benefit to you. Um, and tell your friends if you came to a rumble party and you had fun. You know, tell people what we're about. Bring them to the podcast. Bring them to the shows, um, because we are all about having some fun. We know that there are a myriad of podcasts out there for you to listen to. And if you're listening to this one, and it means you're not listening to someone else, then that is wonderful. And we really do. We, no, we really do appreciate it because there's there's way too many out there on the market. No one was crying out for another one, but here we are, and all we're doing basically is just trying to, you know, to uh, to BS for a couple of hours, have some fun, come up with some ideas you might not come up with, and just remind you that we're out there and you, we want to share 
our views and we want to share our pay-per-view parties with you so and we thank you all for doing that because you are doing that the rumble was a great success mania will be the biggest thing we have ever done Paul, any uh, final words for this week's podcast? The only thing I'd like to do, Rob, well, two things, really. First of all, thank you. You don't, I don't think you get the thanks enough when you dole them out. So thank you for your cracking interview with Gail and your able hosting of this and keeping me marshaled um, on a weekly we, basis. But the other thing I want to uh, <laughs> the other say is, if you guys who are listening now, if you know, presumably you might have listened to us for a couple of weeks at least now, if you would be so kind, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever it's called nowadays, leave us a quick review we don't have many at the moment and it really does help us um, with getting new listeners so if you wouldn't mind just taking a couple of minutes and, and writing us that review we would be most grateful indeed if you give us a nice uh, high starring review and you put something funny on there we will read it out there you go uh, that is not a bribe it is a bribe total bribe but, um, it is a little bit of a bribe we'll love you even more if you tweet Hull underscore trains with Godfather <laughs> catchphrases um, that's really the most fun uh, but if you give us a uh, if you give us a five star review as if you're a uh, an obscure wrestler, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see a five star review from um, Iron Mike Sharp. That would be, <laughs> Damien that would be, Demento. That would be really nice. I would like it if you could uh, if you could do that. You know, we all listen to you down here, hanging loose on Kona, Hawaii. Love from Crush. Uh, that's that's why that's what I'd like to see. So uh, any of those. Um, if you come up with some nice stuff on that, we will we will read it out and we'll have some uh, we'll have some fun. There's with that. nothing obscure about Crush Chakabra. There, there is not, and I am sure he will be on the uh, those Coliseum videos. So uh, go along and uh, get your fill of Crush uh, on Coliseum videos. Thirty-eight in total. What about? Ooh. So that's what we're off to do uh, for the next uh, week or so. We'll be getting our fill of that, and we'll uh, we'll be back here next week with a brand new episode of the show. Remember, this is the Suns. Hooked on Wrestling with Paul Benson and with Rob McNichol reminding you that this is Hooked on Wrestling and it's wrestling so enjoy it we'll see you very soon